You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9 in our Tiger Communications studios. My name is Ryan LaVoy, filling in for J.J. Jackson. Today, I've got Cam Barry with me this afternoon. And again, coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Had a really fun time out at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department yesterday for their annual chili dinner. We'll catch up with Tom Peavy hopefully uh, at some point early next week as he's usually on those Monday shows, those early week shows, and hear from him. But it seemed like it was going quite well. We were had a lot of fun to be out there again uh, supporting a great cause, supporting those volunteer fire Fighters who, again, rely on that type of event to purchase new equipment and upgrade current equipment. And uh, it looked like there was already a lot of bowls of chilies, uh, chili uh, going out there in the first uh, few minutes that we were still there uh, at that 6 o'clock hour. So we, again, thank them uh, for what they do and are happy to support them and hope everything went incredible last night over there uh, at the Southwest Fire Department. And, and again, we'll uh, we'll get word from Tom on exactly how well that uh, that event lit, went later on. But uh, proud to be with you here again for another edition of Sports Call. Uh, Ryan Lavoy Camberry with you here, and on the show today, of course, birthdays and sports as we have each and every day. A nightly TV guide to conclude the show, and then a lot of talk about Auburn football as they get sent for their final home game against Western Kentucky. Three o'clock kick inside of Jordan Hare Stadium tomorrow. Auburn basketball sent to take on Texas Southern tonight. That's a 7 o'clock tip-off uh, in Neville Arena. And, and so a lot of college football, a lot of college basketball to talk about. Also preview a little bit of the NFL weekend as well. So going to be a packed show, a lot to talk about. Of course, the rumor mill continues to swirl around what Auburn plans to do uh, with their head coaching search, and so we'll get into that as well. And your phone calls, of course, on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334 334- 887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ryan and Cam with you here on this Friday afternoon. Cam, hope you're well. How are you doing? Yeah, doing great. Uh, ready for a great weekend, going to Atlanta this weekend, going to the Falcons game uh, as we are set to take on Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Um, should be a lot of a lot of running the ball is what, uh, what we'll see. Um, and excited just to be able to go to a game. I haven't been able to get to one this season, so definitely ready to go and, and see my Falcons play in, in uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium and uh, ready to watch some Auburn basketball tonight and, and see how that goes. So, yeah. So you're, you're going to the game Sunday then? Yes. I can't wait. That's super, exciting. Um, going to spend the night in Atlanta. Uh, going to go tomorrow. Um so won't be at the at the Auburn game. Hopefully, we still end up with a win. I don't see why we wouldn't. Um, and 
yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm beyond excited to to get to go. So you will have a full sports weekend, and yes, sir. Uh, again, gotta enjoy these weekends while they last. We were talking earlier in the week yeah, that, right? of course, just two more Auburn football games unless they do uh, something very surprising in Tuscaloosa in two weeks and so still got to cherish these last couple of games of course i know kind of like williams is going to have everyone pumped up again and uh, let's talk a little bit about that auburn western kentucky game up first uh, of course we've uh, a lot's been made about the line this week of course the line oh, uh, has been pretty close it actually opened um, <laughs> looking at it right now yeah it opened at seven and is actually at five and a half now yep. so it actually is something that not only you know vegas only saying about a six six and a half point line it's actually the money has, I guess, gone towards Western Kentucky in that regards. Uh, so, you know, uh, an SEC slate that we'll get into a little bit later that is pretty lean, but Auburn, Western Kentucky, at least on paper, if you look at the lines, actually figures to be one of the closer games in the SEC this week. Yeah, seems like it could be a relatively close game. So I, I was saying I don't see how we could lose this game, but we Auburn could definitely lose this game. Um, Western Kentucky – airs it out a lot um auburn does not have just an overall great passing defense um just got to be able to get to the quarterback got to get to the you know got to get in his, his in his face um and they're averaging over 100 more yards than than auburn is um and allowing right around the same amount of yards per game uh, so it should obviously the competition is very different, but it's still something to consider and something to think about. Western Kentucky is no pushover, um, really and and truly, um, and they're already bowl eligible. So it, it'll just be interesting to see. Yeah, interesting note again. I uh, mentioned this yesterday, but Western Kentucky has already played eleven games. They will play thirteen in their regular season this year. They played on week zero, as did a couple other handfuls of teams, but they only took one bye week throughout the year. Those other teams predominantly taking two bye weeks. Austin Reed is their quarterback this year, completing 68% of his passes, uh, 3,500 yards in 11 games, yeah. 31 touchdowns, seven picks, doing uh, very similar stuff, not quite all the way up to what Bailey Zappi did last year. But, again, they, they their formula did not change. They throw the ball a lot. Yeah, throw, throwing the ball a absolute crazy amount. Um, throwing the ball 336 passing yards per game to Auburn's 187, a complete and total uh, difference in philosophy of, of how how they play the game. Um, still, you know, a, a, a very talented quarterback. You know, able to throw 31 touchdowns in a, in a season. That's 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 still a lot, <laughs> um, and seven picks that matches Robbie Ashford. So he he doesn't he doesn't turn the ball over very much. Um, 31 to seven touchdown to interception ratio. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Auburn handles this quarterback. And, and I think the the larger point too may still be back on the other side of the ball for Auburn. And we talked about you know these big numbers from Austin Reed, and uh, you know they they'll make some plays throughout the game. Uh, however, you want to see uh, this offensive line again, and because uh, for Auburn it's well documented how poor the offensive line was. It uh, really has been all year. Uh, they ran the ball really well against Texas A&M. Yes. However, Texas A&M came into that game 123rd in the nation in rush defense. So they kind of just did what they were supposed to do. And, of course, in the second half, uh, they had long stretches of time where Auburn uh, ceased to gain a bunch of yardage. I think, in fact, they had 
Uh, I was counting up yesterday, I think, five drives uh, where they only had a combined one first down in that second half. So, you know, I guess the moral of the story is typically against a team like Western Kentucky, it wouldn't matter that Western Kentucky has a pretty good offense because Auburn would so overwhelm them and their defense that, okay, Western Kentucky might score 17 and lose 45 to 17. Right. Uh, But I guess what – why, why the, the betting line is what it is, why at least Auburn has to pay attention here is uh, the San Jose State game earlier this year where Auburn only scored 24. It was a 24-16 to 16 game, and Auburn has kind of demonstrated that even against weaker competition or at least weaker defensive lines, it's been troublesome for them to just kind of manhandle people. Again, I think the best performance of their season was last week just from the standpoint of rushing Definitely. over 200 yards. Yeah. But it's not necessarily an offensive line you can trust just to do what a normal SEC line should do, which would be to manhandle Western Kentucky. Ultimately, I'm not too worried about the win-loss, but I just think that there could be a lot of different scenarios with how close this game could be. You could tell me anything from Auburn does win by three possessions, and I would believe you. But you could also tell me Auburn wins by three points, and I would believe you that they have to eke it out. I think there's just a lot of variance depending upon – how that Auburn uh, that Auburn offense operates, and also keep in mind this: you know, we're talking about Robbie Ashford at the quarterback position, this is still a guy struggling mightily to throw the football. Uh, he has had four performances in SEC play this year, and granted, Western Kentucky is not an SEC team, but four performances this year under fifty percent passing. Uh, and I, you know, maybe if a forty-seven percent outing, I could blame it on some drops or some bad routes or all offensive right. line. But he's had a couple under 40%, and those are just not going to be games where where you can kind of defend the, the, the passing element of Robbie Ashford. Obviously, he's a runner. He's been incredible. Yeah. But the passing aspect, too, can he take advantage? Again, where we're talking about Western Kentucky, we're talking about a really good group of five offense and a defense that's just whatever. But can, can Ashford and company really take advantage of that? Yeah, um, he's got to be able to hit his throws when when the when the throws are called, even if it's just a few of them, um, even if it's you know about twenty passes, he's got to hit on on about fifteen of them. Got to you know got to be accurate um, and and dutiful in when he makes those decisions. Just we can't just miss the easy throws. Like I mean, even last week he missed a very easy wide open throw to Jarquez Hunter on a wheel route, and and you know. You, you just can't have that because it's it's situationally like an offense like like the good thing for Auburn in the game last week was Texas A&M our defense um, and their offense was struggling big time, um, but Western Kentucky might actually turn around and really capitalize on a situation like that. Auburn's only averaging twenty two uh, excuse me twenty three points per game uh, to Western Kentucky's thirty eight. So I mean that's a big differential, and like obviously we say that the the competition is different, but still that I mean they can put up points, um, and and they definitely have that ability. So it, it's it's going to be interesting, and I would I believe you, it definitely can be a close game, um, especially if Auburn doesn't run the ball well. Uh, they're they're definitely going to struggle to to move up and down the field. The good news is. As we've seen the last two weeks, Auburn has not thrown more than they should have. Now, since Cadillac Williams 
uh, has become the interim, and since Will Friend has started calling the plays, Auburn has been very run heavy. I think I think on quick uh, top of my head, I think thirteen passes last week yep. for Robbie Ashford. So yeah, even though right. even though Auburn did not score the points that you would like to have when you have over a two hundred yard rushing performance from your team, I, I at least trust the play calling and Coach Cadillac. Uh, to call the the right type of plays, yeah, he he knows what he has. He knows what he has, and and that is not to to be a heavy pass team or as balanced as a, obviously the former uh, coach wanted it to be. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Let's go ahead and take our first phone call before we take our first break of the show. First up on the show today, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff from Columbus on the Auburn Bank phone line. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. Man, I. I wanted to call in early just because it hit on something you, you would just talked about, you know, uh, the Western Kentucky-Auburn game and stuff. Because yesterday, Ryan, I felt so bad for you. I mean, Steve's calling in there, busting your chops for two minutes, five minutes, saying, because the line. I guess you set the Vegas line at seven, right? Yeah, that's what it opened at. It's at five and a half yeah. currently, yeah. Okay, it's five and a half. Dang, yeah. I, hope, I hope Steve. That's why I was calling in. If you're that sure, Vegas Vegas will take your money now. Yeah, Vegas, Vegas is there. Yeah, Vegas is smart. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they will take your money. They, there's so many lights in Vegas. Electricity's not free out there. You know what I'm saying? Let me so, tell you, the yeah, lights you, never turn off. And I they know never from, turn off. I know got, from personal got, experience. Yeah, I've got a couple lights. All the way from here, from Biloxi, Biloxi, Tunica, and Vegas. I've got my own street bike <laughs> in all three of them cities, I tell you. Hey, and also, he had put in there, and it's so funny to me, and this is a, uh, he goes, you don't think Jimmy Sexton would play us? You mean play us again? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he did exactly the same thing with Malzahn, and he's going to do it again. I mean, shoot, Lane, he's fixing to make every client of his a rich man. And, right. uh, and, and Auburn's going to buy into it. They're going to they're gonna give Kiffin 10 years. I can see a Jimbo Fisher contract going out. If he does come, I can see one of those deals coming out. And I think the results is going to be nine wins. You know what I'm saying? But we'll see. But what do you think? Well, yeah. You don't think that sex- – Oh, no, I, I think Jimmy Sexton, I mean, that's why he's yeah. an agent that all the top yeah. coaches hire because he is able to play. Yeah, he'll get you paid. Yeah, so, I mean, he, and, you I know. Mean, look what Mel Tucker makes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just uh, absurd. I mean, yeah, I mean, Michigan State's going to yeah. regret that one. Here's what I'll say about yeah. Lane Kiffin. I don't think anyone, fans nor administration, minds giving Lane Kiffin the big 10-year, $100 million no. contract. Now, I, you know, at what you have to do to live up to that, you have to be really damn good. Will he live up to that? We hope so, but we don't know. Right. But I, I, at least yeah, with sure. this thing, you know, I, I don't think, even though Malzahn had a good year in 2017, I don't think Auburn was unanimous in its support of the huge contract extension. I think no, they, were, they definitely did not want him to leave for Arkansas as Jimmy Sexton was playing up that deal. But, right. but uh, I don't think everyone wanted the, the vast contract Malzahn got. I think in this situation, because Lane Kiffin checks the boxes for just about everybody, I mean, that's yep. just fans, administration, anyone you want to talk to, that's their number one candidate here. I don't think price is an issue here. Will he live, live up to that? That will be another story, but I, I don't think anyone will mind the astronomical number. 
Well, we'll we'll see. I just I I like to pick at Steve every now and then. Them orange and blue glasses, fans. He's got them. <laughs> he's got them on. It's bless his heart. Hey, real quick, and, and I, I know you're going to a break, but maybe sometime you can tell me. The coach at Sanford, he makes. He's one of the highest paid coaches in college football. I don't even know his name. Oh, it's Stanford David Shaw. Why does he have such a big contract? Maybe you could explain that to me when you get back. Sure. Uh, We appreciate that phone call, Jeff. All right. Thank you all. Uh, That is Jeff from Columbus on our Auburn Bank phone line. We will go ahead and take our first break. On the other side, James from Montgomery will join us. I will just say this about David Shaw. Uh, I don't agree with the contract he has at Stanford. David Shaw has been an okay coach, uh, but Stanford has really dropped uh, over time with David Shaw in command, and uh, we can hit on him a little bit later. But nevertheless, Stanford has not quite been uh, up to par here in recent years since he got that big contract. Going to our first break of the show again, James from Montgomery will be up next. This is the Friday edition of Sports Call. know how easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call Welcome back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is the Friday edition of Sports Call. My name is Ryan Lavoie, filling in for J.J. Jackson today. Cam Barry is with me on the show, and we appreciate all those who are tuning in and calling in this afternoon. Just had Jeff from Columbus join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. He left us with a little question about why David Shaw was making uh, nearly $9 million a year at Stanford. Because he's their winningest coach ever. Th- that is a reason. <laughs> Uh, he was off to a big start at Stanford. Cam and I were discussing this during the break. Uh, six of his first seven years, they finished in the top 20 in the AP poll. There's really no good information on when exactly he signed an extension. There was a contract agreement in 2012 that Stanford said was, quote, a long-term agreement. Uh, but it did not say how long it was. Obviously, that's 10 years ago. So Stanford, six of their first seven seasons, again, top 20, including a seventh-place finish in 2011, seventh in the AP in 2012, 11th in 2013, third in 2015 uh, when they finished 12-2 and won a Rose Bowl, 12th in 2016, and 20th in 2017. However, it has been really bad since then. 2018, Stanford went 9-4, and won the Sun Bowl, but after that, 2019, they went 4-8, and 2020 went four and two in the shortened season, three and nine last year, and three and seven this year. No bueno. That is uh that is not great. Um, yeah, that's so weird that I guess they don't they they just have not released the the terms and and the years and how much he's making for the contract. That's definitely something different that we don't really see very often. I didn't even know you couldn't do that honestly that you couldn't could you know i guess that you didn't have to release all of that information um but he he is their winningest coach um and i mean 
You know, he led him to a few winning seasons. I see He's, how it happened. Yeah, I, I understand how it happened as well. But I was saying that's just weird that they didn't. Re- they don't. They didn't release anything. They right. said just long term extension. So you can find and, out his salary for that year after the fact. Right. But you just don't have a a public long term contract right. out there. That's definitely different. And um, it's his alma mater, so I guess maybe that plays a plays a part in it. Yeah, at this you point, know. if I'm Stanford, now that this is now four years in a row uh, of being well below, change. I, I would I would probably tell them we need to reduce that salary back down, um, or we're going to have to part ways here because I don't, I know Stanford's another tough program. It's another one of those very valued with their academics, but um, Jim Harbaugh and and now the, you know the first six years of David Shaw proved right. that you it's you doable. Yeah, you know, it's, you can win there. I think it's in a better – it's a little more doable than Vanderbilt. You know, I think oh, it's yeah. a little more doable than even maybe Duke or, or Northwestern for all the uh, for sure. success that Pat Fitzgerald's had at times. I think it's a little more doable. But but anyway, uh, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, as promised on our Auburn Bank phone line. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about Coach Starr and um, his winning uh, record at Stanford. And I think that, I mean, being the highest-paid head coach in college football, I mean, I mean Stanford, they're a good school. They're like a – you could say they're like the best school in, the, in college football. But I think Stanford um, – I'll probably see Stanford may lose a couple of games, you know, just to – just just to level out the playing field as well. Yeah, well well Stanford has leveled out the playing field yeah, a lot the last few years. They they've they've good. lost seven games this year, James. But uh, you know, he, he is one of the highest paid coaches. He's not quite the highest paid coach, but certainly for what they are paying him, which is about nine million a year, uh, to not be bowl eligible now a uh, couple of years in a row, uh, not gonna cut it. Yeah, it's really not going to cut it because, I mean, uh, you could look back at Nick Saban and seeing all his uh, success that he's done for the University of Alabama. And now I've been hearing a lot of – well, I've been reading a lot of um, news reports that uh, the University of Alabama's uh, players are actually leaving the university and actually going, taking their talents elsewhere and having you know their talents move from Tuscaloosa to – uh, different, uh, like different other, uh, like other schools that they're trying to actually make that school a little bit better and trying to see if they're going to win with other schools as well. Yeah, they had some uh, transfers as just about everybody did uh, <clears throat> last year, but they've also got a lot of guys uh, leaving the school to go to the NFL. So Alabama constantly has a lot of player movement just just due to that. Yeah, because I, I mean, yeah. With that being said, with the University of Alabama, and I've uh, read like rumors that the University of Alabama has ties to the NFL, and that's why Nick Saban, he used to coach uh, years ago with the Miami Dolphins, and he has ties to the NFL, so he'll get those players ready to go. Which I think that's not a good choice for him as a head coach to actually make those decisions in the NFL. So if you are like a a former head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I don't know why would he have ties to the NFL. And every time I see Alabama always playing in the NFL stage, you know, where these professional 
uh, teams are actually playing, why can't you play like in a neutral site for like Alabama or Florida or Tennessee or Texas A&M? Why, why, why you have to go and travel all the way out to like, you know, outside of the SEC stadiums and just play in a neutral site for the NFL? It, it doesn't work that way in the in college football. I mean, college football and pro football is two different sports. Exactly. It is two different uh, sports. But, uh, James, I, I want to hear from you about uh, your thoughts on this uh, Auburn and, and Western Kentucky game tomorrow. It's senior day. <clears throat> yes, it is senior day. And, um, you know, that uh, this is uh, it's going to be a, a tough uh, game for them, and it's going to be a, a, a happy game for the seniors because I know they worked very, very hard all the way up to their freshman year playing at Auburn and you know, when, once you leave Auburn as a senior, you're going to leave a lot of legacies for the next, uh, you know, for the next Auburn uh, Tiger football players that are coming along behind you, and you're going to leave a lot of, you know, a, a lot of memories that that you actually have with Auburn University as well, and seeing some of the fans that you uh, love, that they love very dearly as well. Yeah, and you know you got some pretty notable seniors on this team, James. That guys that signed back in 2019, like Colby Wooden and Owen Papo, Derek Hall, and some of these guys, uh, very talented players. Yeah, as well, because I mean, with um, Owen Papo, that's now with the New England Patriots, he's a really yeah. good standout, and um, you know, uh, different guys. Huh? Owen is still with uh, with Auburn, James. He's uh, he's the starting line, middle linebacker. Okay, okay. So so I'm just, you know, throwing him out, you know, like pushing him to the NFL for the 2023 mock draft as well. So I'll probably see him in a uh, New England Patriots uniform because I know this is his last uh, year at Auburn. So I would, I would probably, you know, tell him that whenever I do get a chance to, you know, meet him for the final time as well. And uh, seeing if he's going to make it to the to the NFL draft in 2023 as well, and he's a really good guy for Auburn. He's he's done so much on the offensive uh, line for us for this year and every year for Auburn as well. And I wish Auburn uh, a very very good success on tomorrow's game as well. What's your uh, score prediction for the game? Um, I would have to say my score prediction for Auburn versus Western Kentucky would be. 29 to 30. So Auburn wins by a point and a close one. Yes, so we'll win 29, and I think that would be, if I'm not mistaken, I would have to say 29 Auburn. Uh, I'll say 29-26 Okay, 29-26 Auburn. Okay, wins by a field goal. Yes, as well. So I'm I'm going to be watching this game very closely and seeing what uh, Calette Williams is going to do. I know he's going to have some trick plays up his sleeve, so I know he's um, going to be doing some trick plays for this game tomorrow. So I'm going to be watching very, very closely and uh, seeing if we're going to win this game this weekend and the next weekend as well because I know it's going to be a tough, uh, uh, a tough game up here in Tuscaloosa, so that will be very, very. Uh, it will be an easy game for us to win for uh, the Iron Bowl to close out the 2022 football season as well. Well, uh, Iron Bowls are never easy, but certainly Auburn uh, would like to do the best they can in that one. And now, uh, James, we also got uh, Auburn basketball back in action tonight as they take on Texas Southern, uh, and Auburn's <clears throat> favored pretty heavily in that one. 
Yes, as well, because I am going to be watching this one very closely and seeing what Bruce Pearl, what Bruce Pearl is actually going to be doing against Texas Southern, because I think this is going to be an easy, uh, an easy win right here. So I think this will be um, one ten to ninety three. A lot of points in that one. I would love it if Auburn could score 110 tonight. Yes, I think with a lot of uh, key uh, injuries that we have, I haven't seen um, the list of who's in and who's out, so I'll just have to wait until that is actually uh, coming uh, clear. So I think Auburn would would make uh, this one at home against at Neville Arena, so I think this one is going to be a really sold-out game. And I think this one is going to be a really, really good, good matchup between these two schools. Yeah, we certainly hope so. And, uh, James, I believe yesterday you said you wanted some Auburn and Western Kentucky trivia. Yes, I, I did. All right, well, we'll give you a couple quick questions then, and we'll have to let you go and get to another caller. So are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right, when is the last time Auburn and Western Kentucky played each other? I would have to say that will be 2003. That's very close. That's the first time they ever played each other, but they played each other one additional time. Uh, That would be 2015. Not quite. It's much closer to 2003. Uh, 2004. Go up one more year. 2005? Yes, sir. 2005 is the last time Auburn played Western Kentucky. Okay, and then uh, the last question I'm going to give you is um, in that 2003 game that Auburn played Western Kentucky, how many points did Auburn score? Um, I know this one because I saw the highlights uh, yesterday. And they were just showing this game from 2003. And I think the final score was Auburn 29, Western Kentucky 22. Oh, it was a a much bigger blowout than that, James. Um, Let me see. Um, I think this was the blowout was, uh, I'll have to take a guess, like around 30 points. Auburn ended up scoring 48 in the game, and then Western Kentucky only got a field goal. So it was 48-3 to Auburn won back in 2003. Yeah, so that was um, a really close game as well. And, you know, they were um, – I was looking at some other highlights that they were saying – that with all the different uh, head coaches that we had over the years, um, I know we had one head coach that came in 2003 that was uh, Tommy Tuberville. Then when he left, we had Gene Chizik. Then he left. Then we had Gus Malzahn. Then he left. Then we had um, – then we were trying to get, like, some other head coaches to actually come and coach – at Auburn, but nobody didn't want to step up in the coaching uh, spot as well. So I think the next head coach would be the coach from um, Mississippi Valley State. I would love to see him coach at Auburn as well. Well, the coach after uh, after Gus Malzahn was, of course, Brian Harson, who Auburn just let go of, and now they're in the process of trying to find a new head coach. But uh, yeah, I, I will. Uh, we'll see who that ends up being. I know they're looking at the Ole Miss head coach, uh, Lane Kiffin. 
Well, James, we appreciate the phone call today, and we hope you have a, a great weekend. We hope Auburn gets a lot of wins for you this weekend. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-341 locally. Toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good. And you guys doing well? Doing well, sir. First things first. Uh, Auburn High School. Are they playing here in town? Or are they out of town on the road tonight? I believe they are in Phoenix City to yeah. play Central. Yep. Oh man, they got to go back down there, huh? Yeah, it's yes, going to be a tough one. Oh man, you talking about it's, it's a Garrett Stadium? I mean. Woo, it's tough to get a win out of there. I mean, they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's and, and plus some. Uh, I mean, you're talking about going down there in a, in a rematch. Uh, I think Central did take them early in the season, somewhere mid-season, right? I have to double-check that. I actually thought Auburn won the original game, but I, but I will go double-check that real quick. Oh, man. So the winner here takes the pie tonight and going to the uh, finals uh, uh, next weekend? Correct. Uh, it will be... Uh, but a week after? Uh, well, yeah, two weeks. So it'll be the first week okay. of December. Uh, oh, wow. I think Auburn didn't win. Yeah. It was a close game for about a half, and then I think Auburn ran away with it in the second half. So I'm looking at it right here. So actually, uh, this uh, they did play in Central in October, and that is Auburn's only loss of the year. Central oh. did win that game, 38-17. to 17. So who's in the other semifinal game? I can double-check that real quick. I think I want to say it might involve Hoover, which is always an educated guess in this state, but I will double-check that. Or Thompson. Something like that. Um, I'll, I'll have to... One minute. Okay. No problem. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, Anthony, as I look for that... Um, so uh, you, you think Central will be able to win that game against Auburn? You know, beating a team twice is, is tough in one season. I don't care who you are. I mean, you know, that, wow. Because you know, you know, when you lose a game or whatever you do, uh, you study film and bounce back, and you got to take on those people again. And Auburn's talented, Central's talented, but you know, like I say, it's just oh man, I don't know if Central can do it again. You know, uh, I think Auburn probably learned some lessons from that last game they played, and I'll be fired up at the. You know, we'll see what happens. We'll know in a, in a few hours uh, whether they can or not. But yes, sir. I, I think I think Auburn might might be able to pull this one off this time around. That uh, that other game for you, Anthony, is Hoover and Thompson, and that one is at oh, Thompson. Wow. So uh, we'll see what happens in a few hours, and, and the matchup will be set. You know, it would be nice to see Auburn High get back in that finals and give them opportunity to see if they can go ahead and punch the ticket this time. I think the girls' flag tag flag tag team did make the finals and uh, we'll be playing uh, at some point or another so we'll, maybe somebody can win a, a state championship we'll see but moving along you know uh, I really didn't plan on calling in today but I tell you I had to call in when he was talking about uh, Coach Shaw down there at uh, Stanford I thought that was a public uh, excuse me, I thought it was a private institution if that's a private institution they don't have to release the uh, financial records it, 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 it must not be private yeah maybe that's what it is is Stanford a private institution uh maybe i, I, I don't sure. i don't know i truly don't know if stanford is private and if they if they are that makes sense that they're that they don't really have to release any of that stuff um, right uh, so yeah you you really could be right well maybe this year this year hadn't been what he thought it would be uh last few years i all mentioned that they hadn't been winning like they were winning when he first got there 
But yeah. I, I tell you the big question, Mark, is what are they going to do with Jimbo Fisher with all that money they didn't sign him up for? And he's in the Southeastern Conference, the bell cow of all of college football. And this guy here, uh, not going bowling, ain't been member but an average football coach the past five seasons, had the number one rated class that they bought with all that money they got, all that oil money they got down there. And uh, we're supposed to uh, step up and do some things this year, but that didn't materialize. I don't know if the players just ain't developed yet or his coaching just ain't what they thought it would be. Or just, it just ain't there. You know, maybe he need to uh, – but I wonder, here's the thing that I wonder now. If, if Texas A&M decide to get rid of Jimbo Fisher, will he resurface to a, another big-time program or will he just go on down the road somewhere and just get some little school and, and coach there? What are y'all guys' thoughts? Uh, who knows? Honestly, you never know. Also, Stanford is a private institution. I did look it up. They are private. Um, yeah. Also, I, I, I honestly could. I feel like Texas A and M and Jimbo are gonna work it out. Where it, they, they gotta give him. He's gonna probably work it out to where he's gonna get maybe one more year. Just this, he gets a reprieve. Um, and and next year, you know, he has to. They have to be a good team. Um, or they will let him go because I mean that contract is is huge, um, right? Right, and and so you kind of it would be beneficial for both sides to at least try to make it work. Um, obviously, if they're not winning, then then you definitely gotta let them go and, and go in a different direction. Um, I, I for I I couldn't well, tell you if he really want would go to another school or not. Honestly, um, it just I guess it would depend on how much he really wants to continue coaching. What do you think that magic number would be as far as wins next year for A and M? Is it nine wins, or, or I don't think eight wins is going to get it because you know they got rid of Ke- Kevin Sumlin for winning eight games every year. Right. So would it be we're going to be nine wins regular season and plus a bowl victory, or or he's going to have ten wins next year and a, and a bowl victory? What, what do you guys would think? Nine <laughs> might be enough just because I, that would maybe. be vastly different than right. this year. As long as it's a competent nine and they're not like backing into a bunch of those victory, they're actually. Look like a good team because yeah. I mean, eye test matters too. If they're nine and three and their losses are to genuinely good teams, maybe they beat a top twenty-five team or two. Uh, I think you could live with that improvement. But you know, if they're nine and three and they're having a win all sorts of weird ways, oh, slug, and, and their quarterback play is still poor, then that shows you that they're they're just kind of getting fortunate to do that. So nine wins would probably cool that seat off a little bit, but I would assume that twenty twenty four. They're gonna be looking for the, the whole hog uh, going on to the Southern Conference Championship game or something. Yeah, I would think. Uh, and you know, and if he can't produce that, I guess he's gonna have to ease on out of town. But next year's buyout will be about eighty million, right? Yeah, I mean the buyout only goes down about you know eight to ten million every year. So as astronomical as it now, I mean it's pretty much it's pretty much he's getting that money whether he's coaching or not. It's yep. just if it's going to be a big sum to be bought out, or if it's just going to be gradually given because he's the coach there over time. You know, they may have to hang on to him a couple more years. I mean, if they, I know they, I know, don't get me wrong. I know the oil people can come up with that kind of money. But, you know, uh, coming up with that kind of money, paying somebody an $80 million buyout, I mean, that's a whole lot of bread and a whole lot of cheese uh, to pay a, a college football coach to get on out of town so things aren't going your way. And then you got to bring somebody else in and see if they're going to do anything. But we're going to find out. But if, uh, one other thing I want to ask y'all, the Auburn coaching search. Yes. Uh, how is that going? Anybody got the zero to pencil in on, on that guy, uh, uh, who that guy may be? I mean, we've heard names called here and there the last few weeks, but is there that one guy that they really just really want? 
Reading all the reporting, it, it seems that Auburn is going to offer the job to Lane Kiffin. Uh, Lane Kiffin. He, he seems to be the clear front runner. Now it's up to Lane Kiffin if he if he decides to come or not. And if you're going beyond Lane Kiffin, then you start to really have to go through the weeds of who Auburn likes. But it does seem like the clear preference is Lane Kiffin. And what kind of financial package do you think the guys probably will? Uh, will, be, will he'll be offered? Uh, Jeff mentioned uh, something in the range, you know, because he is a Jimmy Sexton. Uh, or Jimmy Sexton is, uh, you know, his agent. Uh, ten years, hundred million, something in there. Uh, ten million know. a year, huh? Yeah. yeah. Ten million, ten million per year. Yeah, because it was said that uh, Ole Miss offered him a new yeah, contract, the, and it was going to be around nine. nine. Yeah, nine yeah. to nine point five. Nine point five. Well, yeah. if, if they offered nine point five, I think Auburn had to go to twelve million. Then I mean, another five hundred thousand dollars. I mean, don't sound like a something. To, uh, I mean, you know. Well, I, I mean. We had to go to twelve. When you think it's possible, but but also a, remember, it, it not necessarily is all about the money here because it's also about for Lane the resources Auburn has yeah. compared to Ole Miss and the money that's in the NIL pool at Auburn that's not in the in the NIL pool at uh, at Ole Miss. Yeah, it was said that money is not going to be the only deciding factor. Really, not the true deciding factor of where he will end up. Like if he stays at Ole Miss or if he does end up ultimately coming to Auburn. But, you know, guys, when you look at Lane Kiffin, you're talking about a guy that had that old-school USC, uh, O.J. Simpson, uh, uh, you know, Marcus Allen and Reggie Bush and, and Matt Liner and, and Carson, uh, excuse me, Carson Palmer and, and everybody else winning Heisman trophies. I think they got seven Heisman Trophy winners there. And that rich tradition with national championships with John McKay. And, and you look at uh, that Rocket Top Tennessee and those just-win-baby Oakland Raiders there ain't a coach nowhere that I can think of that had three high-profile jobs like that and things went sour or whatever they went and caught a train out of town and then resurfaces again to perhaps get an Auburn job. I mean, you know, I just don't know. You know, I, like I said, I don't know. Most people, they start at the bottom and they work their way up, and when they when they get to the way up and it runs out, they usually go into retirement. Or ease on over to the ESPN, or either go like Dubos did, uh, a Millsap, or, or some high school and coach. But uh, I mean, you know, I guess it's different times we're living in. But if if they do get Kiffin and it don't work out, I guess he's back to being an offensive coordinator, either out of college football altogether. When you think, yeah, if he fa- if he went to Auburn and failed and eventually got fired, he'd have to either be a, a small conference head coach or he have to be a, a big conference OC. He would not he would not get another job at that point. Yeah. His his career arc is so fascinating just because it started so young. I mean, he was the head coach of the Raiders when he was like thirty two. I mean, that was yeah. borderline unheard of, yeah. especially at that time. Very unprecedented. I tell you, well, guys, I'm gonna let y'all get y'all the calls. I appreciate it. I'm gonna get my pick in. I think Auburn be forty two, uh, Western Kentucky seventeen. And uh, I think uh, this victory here, uh, get a guy some motivation and excitement, cruising on into the Iron Bowl next week. I'm going to be calling y'all next week. We're going to have some fun. We're gonna oh, we don't doubt it. it. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're going to make it do what it do. Y'all have a good weekend. Sounds yes, good, sir. Anthony. You do the same. That's Anthony from Auburn on our Auburn Bank phone line. Time for one more call before we got to take our end of our break. Next up on the show, Jason from Fife is with us. Jason, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Doing, Doing well. well. Hey, uh, I normally listen to you on Spotify, so I'm usually a day late on the show, but um, I was lucky enough today to catch you on the hair. But uh, a couple of days ago, I think Ryan mentioned Drew was talking about who would be a defensive coordinator if we do, in fact, get Kiffin. 
Um, and one guy's name that I hadn't heard really floated out that much would be Jeremy Pruitt. Um, I was going to get your opinion on that because I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was there at uh, Bama with Kiffin and Kiffin's last year. I believe so. I'm looking at Pruitt right now. Uh, 16 and 17 was when Pruitt was defensive coordinator there. Uh, and yeah. uh, I think 16's Kiffin's last year before we went to Florida Atlantic. So, yes. Yeah, and I know one thing that's been a hit on Lane, a lot of people say, well, he's not really got a defense. But, and I know Bama defense is not really comparable to anything else, but I was wondering how they would do together, you know, if, if he was coached under Lane. Well, I, I certainly value Jeremy Pruitt as a defensive coordinator. Just because people fail as a head coach does not yeah. mean they can't coordinate all of a sudden. You know, Definitely. you've seen that for a long time with Will Muschamp, <laughs> for example, who was a – putrid head coach and still one of the best defensive coordinators I would say in the country um, and, and so for Pruitt I, I think the issue with Lane Kiffin is you know and we talked about him uh, other reasons other than just salary why he might want to leave Ole Miss one of the things he was originally upset about at Ole Miss is that they lost his his then current defensive coordinator DJ Durkin to Texas A&M uh, because Texas mm-hmm. A&M paid him a lot of money now I don't know if that means uh, he'd have interest in bringing Durkin back once he then had a bigger pull to work with at Auburn. And I, I honestly don't think very highly of DJ Durkin uh, compared to some other people. But, you know, that it, ability to hire a staff and spend a lot on staff is something that Lane Kiffin cited as a, another one of his growing frustrations with Ole Miss. Exactly. All right. I Absolutely, yep. Fife has been a, a power for several years now. And, uh, uh, Jason, we really do appreciate you listening, and, and we appreciate your call today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. You too. That you is Jason well. from Fife joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-341 locally. Joel free one triple eight nine tiger 9 And, yeah, Cam, we can't leave – that out, uh, high school football starting to wind down in the state, and you've got uh, one last rendition of the Alabama High School Athletic Coaches Show tonight over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Uh, the high school season's almost over. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been a good one. Uh, sad that our Beauregard Hornets are out, but they had a very, very good season. Um, and uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how Auburn and and Central Phoenix City, how that plays out. Um, Hoover and Thompson, something interesting as well. Um, you know, it, it's just a lot of talent around here. And, and uh, uh, um, excuse me, Catholic in uh, Montgomery Catholic is also playing Handley this weekend, or excuse me, tonight. Uh, so that should be a great game. Um, Auburn commit Jeremiah Cobb is playing, um, and he's one of their best players. Um, and uh, that'll be one to watch as they they're trying to go to the four A semifinals. So, uh, it, it's it's yeah starting to wind down. Yeah, and uh, you know again that's what we've been talking about a little bit in the the college version here the last couple of weeks is yeah I, I think a lot of people are kind of wishing in some senses the last couple of games away just so you could see who the new Auburn head football yeah, coach is. Uh, but obviously, you know, with this another opportunity to win a football game against Western Kentucky this weekend, you've got the, a great rivalry in the uh, in the uh, Iron Bowl. I mean, you've got um, two more games here, 
and uh, you know, it just it, it goes by so fast. You get twelve of them, and I know I'm just so enamored with that. But again, you get twelve to thirteen of what you love the most in the sport of football. So much pain. Whereas if you're an Auburn basketball fan, you've got thirty to thirty-two guaranteed, plus an SEC tournament, plus an NCAA or some sort of you know postseason tournament. Now in the Bruce Pearl era, could not assume that in right. the Tony no, Barbie or no. Jeff Lebo era. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, you just get so many more of those. But in football, you get 12, and that's why we kind of uh, overreact in some sorts to one or two. Cause yeah, definitely. Just don't, don't I get... mean, really and truly, you're right. Because, you know, that one loss, two losses could really make or break your, your season and how meaningful it is. I mean, just look at Tennessee, for example. They have the one loss, and it's UGA, of course. And that means they cannot play for a conference championship. It means, okay, yeah, they're bowl eligible. That's great. But obviously they have their sights set on a national championship. This team is was you know is considered good enough to win a national championship, and based on the circumstances of how the playoff is going to play out this year, um, they might not get it get a chance. And and just how it is, so yeah, I mean every game is crucial and important, and you want to be able to emphasize that and cheer on your team as much as possible because the season might be over in the blink of an eye. It very well can be. So, again, appreciate Jason for calling in. Uh, listen to us on the Sports Call podcast on Spotify, brought to you by Coca-Cola. So we appreciate Jason for listening to that and calling the show today. Starting off hour number two, we will get to retired Ward and Steve, who's been patiently waiting. More of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line and more talk about Auburn Western Kentucky and then Auburn basketball against Texas Southern. You are listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two getting underway of this Friday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon, getting you set for another weekend of Auburn Athletics. Tonight, Auburn men's basketball against Texas Southern. And then tomorrow, Auburn football final home game at Senior Day as they'll take on Western Kentucky. 
And then also want to give a shout-out uh, to Auburn women's basketball as they will have their next game on Sunday against Alabama State. So uh, all three of these sports, big sports going on right now, hosting uh, contests this weekend in Auburn. So it'll be a busy weekend for the Tigers. 334-887-341, locally toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line next up. On a busy Friday afternoon, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good afternoon to you, Ron. And uh, is it Cam on there? Yes, yes sir. It is. Hey, uh, good afternoon. Hey, I'm laughing because uh, Jeff is good to hear from you, man. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'm a uh, big orange and blue uh, glasses uh, guy. And, uh, you know, I did get to a little bit of heat in my disagree with you there, Ryan. Uh, but I'll go along with uh, what Mr. Uh, Anthony said. Uh, surprisingly, he picked us to win by a rather wide margin. I'd love to see that. However, and I'm going to let this go. Even a bad Auburn team, and we're bad this year, should be able to beat West Kentucky by at least 10 points. And that's what I'm expecting to see tomorrow. And I, I hope so, to see that as well. Uh, in fact, I shouldn't even hope to see it. Uh, but getting back to Jeff's comments about uh, Vegas, uh, I know a lot about Vegas. Uh, because they've taken my money a lot. And they're, the Vegas Insider people, they're not immune from, from being uh, biased themselves in these point spreads. And I'll give you three prime examples of uh, their biases. It comes with Alabama. Alabama was a double-digit favorite over Tennessee. Tennessee won the game outright. Alabama, again, was a double-digit favorite against LSU. I think it was 12 half points. They got beat outright. And then there were another double-digit favorite over the past week, uh, uh, weekend when, uh, to uh, Ole Miss, and Ole Miss didn't win it, but they beat the point spread. Right. So those are, to me, examples that, hey, you know, Vegas ain't exactly uh, that objective or unbiased. They, they tend to be biased when it comes to, to Alabama spreads. Um, anyway, so I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, leave that alone. Uh, about uh, the game tonight, guys, have you seen the line? Uh, it's pretty healthy. I think it's uh, low twenties or mid twenties, like twenty four. Yeah, I like that. I like that. that's a that's a good way to say it. it's pretty healthy. Right? Twenty four and a half. Yep. Yep. So should be. Um, guys, uh, do you see those coming close uh, to be that point spread, or, or do you think it's going to be uh, uh, much more tighter? Yeah, I mean, I think Auburn is definitely capable of beating this point spread. Uh, you know, Texas Southern. They are 1-4 in the season. They have an interesting victory over Arizona State, which is kind of hard to explain because uh, Arizona State then went uh, went the other night and drubbed Mich- number 20 Michigan by 25 points. Uh, but Texas Southern's other games, they've lost by wide margins. They lost by 24 to Texas Tech. They lost by 18 to Oral Roberts. They lost by 35 to Houston, albeit Houston is a, an excellent basketball team. True. Uh, and they lost by 13 in San Francisco. So, uh, Auburn is definitely going to be capable of having this be a blowout. Well, um, as you guys remind me quite often, uh, in basketball, everybody can beat anybody, right? Very sure. true. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we'll see. Uh, guys, what's your sense? Do you expect you know, to be uh, a big turnout tonight? Because I know it's uh, Thanksgiving break. The students, a lot of students may have already left. Yeah, no, I, I still think turnout will be good. Yeah. And, and I think, honestly, you know, the student turnout, student section is still pretty small. Uh, at Neville Arena, and I, I know on the weekday game, Auburn did not have every single seat filled, 
uh, for their game earlier this right. week. However, I think there's a higher chance of that happening because what I would tell people is, again, with a lot of Auburn fans, they you know obviously there's a lot of people in Auburn. It is Auburn. But there's a lot of Auburn fans in Montgomery, and there's a lot of Auburn fans in Birmingham. And, and knowing that there's a football game this weekend, I think there's going to be a lot of people coming down for, for that. Both. So yeah. I expect all the seats to be filled tonight. Hey, speaking of that, uh, guys, what's your sense about tomorrow's game? Um, I, I mean, I don't expect to be the seller like it was against uh, you know, A&M, but uh, do you think there will be a lot of empty seats? Um. I, I mean, I would think that the entire lower bowl is going to be full. Um, might be a few empty, empty seats up, up, up in the higher areas, but I, I think it's still going to be. We talking a, like 70, 75,000 maybe. I'd yeah, say, yeah, I'd say closer close, to eighty. Yeah, I would even. say closer to eighty as well. Yeah, I still think there's enough energy. You know, I think. I, and Cadillac's I think, calling for us, right? I, I think if uh, if Harson was here and the team was four and six and Auburn was going through the motions, be dead. You can be closer to that seventy thousand number, but I still think about about eighty thousand, maybe seventy eight, seventy nine. But I, I'd be surprised if it was well below eighty. Yeah, I hope they do show up because uh, you know this senior day tomorrow. Tomorrow, those guys and I, I, I hope the uh, the crowd you know, shows up to honor uh, the the people that we will be seeing wearing those Auburn uh, football jerseys any longer. Absolutely. All right, moving on, guys. Um, on a really bright note, I didn't know about uh, this uh, particular, I guess, uh, charitable uh, giving, uh, but Tim Hudson and his wife, uh, apparently, I guess it was yesterday, um, and I just uh, had to see it from Jeff Scherer, uh said that they uh, apparently welcomed 1,200 elementary students from Auburn, Opelike, and Lee County schools into what's called the Legends Club. And I saw... We'll uh, short video clip uh, with Tim Hudson's wife saying that uh, each student was receiving a $100 gift card to help their families at Thanksgiving. Uh, so, guys, were you aware of that uh, event? I was not, but that's very cool. Yeah, I thought it was really uh, uh, I'd be very gracious of them. And apparently it was over here at the uh, – it looked like it was the, the uh, basketball arena where they were having uh, the, the event held. I saw uh, Bruce Pearl there and some other uh, coaches uh, along – with them uh, during the uh, uh, when the kids were coming out of the uh, school buses, so that was really that was really a nice and thoughtful of them to do that. Absolutely. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, and then I see this, Mr. Charles Barkley. Sir Charles uh, says he has a particular person he would like to see uh, take the Auburn coaching job, and it was apparently as um, a guest on the next round that he uh, made his a. Uh, pick did you uh, read his pick that he made i have not i, I am i am familiar with the next round Can yeah you know? i forgot i forgot what it was i remember seeing it pop up on my timeline but i i for i forget who he said yeah here's his quote he said i'm going to support whoever the coach is i personally want Deion sanders when he asked why his response was he's going to recruit like hell he's not wrong so uh i've thought about you guys uh maybe a uh, how do you think about this? But what if we uh, had you become the what if guys? You know, like the what's his name, Jake uh, from State Farm. People ask him what if questions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Okay. So what if guys, Lane Kiffin does not end up being uh, the, the coach that everybody's thinking it is. Um, what What do you think? And who do you think might be the alternative? Um, James Franklin has popped up recently. Uh, yeah, not, not sure how I feel about that. I also saw Dabo Sweeney. I definitely don't think that's very likely. Please, please, but, please. Um, I paid not to come. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I was surprised when I saw that name pop up. Um, I, I, I just, I don't see Dion really. I think that traction has really died down. Um, now I, I think he's pretty, uh, pretty staying pat at, uh, Jackson state, at least for now. I think he wants to continue to build that program and, and maybe churn out a little bit more NFL talent before he moves to the next level, um, and really prove that he can develop players at that level. Um, I, I'm not sure who I'd who I'd want to see after that, but but I know they're they're way aggressive on Lane right now. Well, I've also seen these other names. Uh, give me your take. The current Wake Forest coach, yeah, Dave Clawson. Uh, Clawson, yeah. that would be that would be interesting, actually. Um, so one of my I'm best friends, of that guys, one of my best friends this, actually played for thing, him. You know, we're not the ACC, we're the SEC, and you know, uh, did we get in the hot water with Harson because? He wasn't familiar with this territory and the the the, uh, the, the actual the, the competition that you've got to contend with. Well, what are your thoughts, guys? I mean, he brings in talent, though. And and I like I was about to say, one of my best friends growing up played for him. He played at Wake Forest. He played on that team last year that was uh, undefeated for um, most of the season and ended up losing to Pitt in the uh, ACC championship. Um, and he loved the guy. He said he was a great coach, um, and he's a man of his word. Um, you know, he has a certain vision when it comes to building his programs. And I mean, Wake Forest is—they're not bad. You know, they're—they're—they're they're, they're just Wake Forest. Um, and you know, there's kind of a—you know, there's kind of a cap there uh, at, at that point. But they're—they're they're still a pretty relevant program. I think they're still ranked right now, if I remember. No, they're not. They're not ranked right now. Um, but they—you know—they were for a lot of the season, um, especially. Uh, at the very beginning, they had a lot of high expectations, so he can build a program. Um, I'm just a little uncomfortable about somebody that's maybe not in our, you know, making the woods, so to speak. Uh, I just don't want a repeat of a Harson uh, kind of hire. Yeah, but, the, knows, but, but he's in like. a, right, but he's in a Power Five program still. You know, I I get what you're saying, but you know, Harson was was out in the Midwest. I think. I think Clawson, he understands the area. Like, North Carolina is not that far out, you know, from, you know, he still had to recruit in the Atlanta area, still had to recruit in the south and Florida. So he he still is competing for recruits all around. I mean, he has to – I mean, even still, you have to compete with Clemson, right, for for a lot of your recruits in the area. So I I still think he can can compete when it comes to recruits. And then I've also seen this name, uh, the current coach from Coastal Carolina. Yeah, Jamie Chadwell. Um, I think bottom line, these guys are, are much further down the list. These yeah, are agreed. these are B tier or C tier candidates. That if you don't, you go through your first couple names, then these guys start to start to get in the mix. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you know Chadwell. I, I, He's done a good job at Coastal Carolina, but I just don't know if Auburn uh, is in a position to try and trust someone that's been a, a group of five guy uh, no. at such a small school when Auburn seems to be in a, in a relatively bad place. I, I just couldn't see that. Well, give me your take, guys, on this so far. You know, you talked earlier about uh, the extension contract, uh, I guess, being – and it wasn't – it was leaked. It wasn't officially 
made known by Ole Miss. Um, but we haven't heard anything since then, right? Uh, right. This extension contract, does that mean anything or mean nothing? Did we not heard anything either from Ole Miss or from Lane Kiffin? It doesn't mean anything in 24 hours. It might mean something in, in four or five more days if yep. you still have nothing uh, nothing signed or, or nothing more about it. I think the longer it goes unsigned, if that is true, and I did see the reports and it did seem like there was pretty good reporting from Ole Miss people that there was some sort of extension worth around $9 million per year offered, uh, You know, the, the longer nothing else comes of that, the more problematic it would seem for Ole Miss because it would mean either uh, that off there was not actually an extension offer out there or there's an extension offer that continues to be unsigned. And then you start to ask why would it be unsigned, and that would be because Kiffin is mulling another offer and that another offer would be from Auburn. So, uh, you know, for one day in 24 hours, I, I don't think, you know, it's it's much yet, but if we're – talking this time next week we're talking around thanks the thanksgiving dinner table and there's still no extension then that would be bad news for Ole miss okay so one my comeback would be you know if if we don't hear anything from either Ole miss or uh, lane kiffin by the end of uh, this weekend then i'm thinking why not i mean i can still explain this weekend though because i mean there is game prep going on they're about to play saturday but if you are set to stay at your place like Ole miss right then why would you be prolonging that and just announce it. You know, I'm staying at Ole Miss. Well, because he, I mean, it's it's not a foregone conclusion he stays at Ole Miss. Right. It's not a home well, run. That's what I'm saying. And Maybe this is that indication. But well, what I'm saying is he could still mull it this weekend. They they still have a game against Arkansas, and that game might play into his equation. You know, if Ole Miss loses, and he's man, man, we just lost again. I mean, you just see what I'm saying? Like the, it doesn't. It, it, it's obviously not a home run, or Lane Kiffin would have already debunked any theories about Auburn. So obviously everyone knows he's going to at least entertain it, and I'm cert- simply saying it's okay to entertain this extension for a couple of days. That doesn't raise questions with me. But if it's still unsigned in a week, that's when it should be very concerning to Ole Miss because everyone knows he's got it. He's everyone knows he's got a decision to make. No one should expect him to make that decision in a day or two. But then, if that contract goes unsigned for a week and he's still not made a decision, then it sounds like he's starting to make a decision the other way. Okay, all right, fair enough. So uh, we'll just sweat this out until the Egg Bowl, right? Have to, absolutely, yeah, have to. We have to. Do you think we'll know something right after the game? I doubt like no. right after the game, but give it like two, three days, then we'll have a conversation probably about about that. Do you expect a pine coffin statement? Say that again. Do you expect a pine coffin statement by uh, uh, by Lane? You know, I'm not. If I come, I leave all this. Will be in a pine coffin, you know, Tuberville. Oh, <laughs> I I I don't think uh, so. Yeah. Um, I, I will say again, you, you, some might say Friday would open the window for Kiffin. Uh, I still kind of almost lean more till Sunday, uh, the day after the Iron Bowl. I am aware Ole Miss plays on Thanksgiving Thursday, but, um, you know, I, I think you could make an argument that it would not actually be till Sunday. Okay. Um, uh, real quickly, um, do you also know, uh, or read what, uh, Bo Jackson said about who he would, uh, uh, like to see to be I, the next coach. I have not. Yeah, 
Um, Bo Jackson said he welcomed the idea of Sanders coaching at Auburn. Yeah, I, I mean, I bet they both would. I, he said would, this during an episode of Sports Seriously. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, I, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me that both Charles and, and Bo want Dion. I mean, they're – they're all, you know, former players getting to see a former player. Also, they probably want to see uh, a black head coach at Auburn that, and, and see that happen for the first time. So that's not surprising at all, honestly. Okay. All right. So uh, either you gentlemen go to the uh, basketball game tonight? No, yeah. I'm not. I, I will be covering it, yes. Okay. All right. And that's on uh, SEC Plus and ESPN Plus. Is that, am I right there? Yes. That's, okay. Yeah. Either either one of those uh, either one of those uh, channels, right? Yes. All right. Well, uh, let's hope uh, we uh, take uh, both games uh, tonight and tomorrow as wins. And uh, you guys have a relaxing afternoon and uh, weekend. And until next time, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Wardham Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. One more phone call before we take this next break. 334-887-341. Locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Tony from Tuskegee. Tony joins us now. Tony, how are you doing? Fine. How about you? Doing well, doing well. sir. Yeah. Everybody's talking about that game against Westwood. Is it Western Kentucky? Yes, yes sir. Western Kentucky. If them guys play like they play. Saturday night, they'll be West Kentucky by four touchdowns. You think so? Yeah, they, if they play like they played, you know, you look at West Kentucky, even though Texas and them shoot bad, but it's a different quality of talent. Sure. And, uh, yeah, and they play like they play uh, by four touchdowns. But everybody's talking about uh, – Black coach at Auburn. It's not all about a, a, a black coach. It's all about the best coach. And my thing with the best coach would be Dabo Swing. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm you surprised know. so many people are so quickly to write off Dabo. I guess it's they don't like the the personality that he is. But fair. his track record is clearly superior to anyone being considered. Oh yeah, I uh, I was reading a, a line on on Google where they were saying um, Dabo Sweeney had be uh, had been considered, and they were saying you know if it was the, the athletic director say he gonna listen to everybody, and you know he gonna make his own choice, and so people saying they don't think it's anybody that's on the list, and, you know if it's the athletic director's choice, so but um. Dabo Sweeney, you know, that's the name I hear out there. Yeah, but, and I, yeah. I, I think you're seeing that, that Cohen is uh, very – again, I, I think for Auburn, I think their preference is Lane Kiffin. But what I think you're seeing Cohen and company do is they are making sure they get their ducks on a row on a second and third option, or at least trying to, because it's still very possible Lane Kiffin opts to stay at Ole Miss. We've we've broke down the well, reasons why why he would leave. Say that again. Didn't they give Lane Kiffin an extension? No, they I have a raise on his salary. No, they have they offered can, him an extension. Yeah. He has not accepted that extension, and we would not know that until Ole Miss made that official. But he has not accepted an extension um, or a raise. So. 
you know, I think that until Kiffin gives them a no, I mean, they're going to operate as if Kiffin is their guy, but they're also going to operate as if, you know, what if he says no, who do we turn to next? And that might be where Dabo comes in. Well, but if you turn down, uh, 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 I mean, you put somebody else in front of a championship winner, you know, a proven winner, and you think he would want to be second in line? No, I don't think so. But I also think that, uh, you know, if he's reach- if he's truly reaching out for Auburn's job, that seems like there's a interest from his side. side of things that, you know, may be a little more atypical of, of someone of his caliber. But really, I, I mean, me personally, I don't think Dabo would have to reach out. I think Auburn or anybody else would be doing the region with a proven, you know, with a proven one of them. You would think, but but according to the reports, it, it it is the other way. According to the reports, it was Dabo that initiated contact. Yeah, but you think um, this is my last question? You think Dabo will be a great fit ball? Yeah, I mean, I I think that it will be interesting be because again the personality. But again, a lot of coaches have personality at times that maybe not be one hundred percent conforming to what everyone has an ideal of. I think the bottom line is, you know, this is a guy from the state of Alabama. Uh, This is a guy that has won two national championships. This is a guy that elevated a Clemson program further than I thought a Clemson program could ever be elevated. Definitely. Um, And and became one of the top five programs in the sport over the last seven or eight years. So, uh, you know, I think it would, you know, I think you'd have to say yes if that's that's the case. And he took players right out. I'm up on the Auburn, out of Phoenix City, and away from Alabama. Yep, he did. Elsewhere. He did. So you yeah. know he can recruit, unlike, you know, brought up some other names earlier in the ACC. You know, Clemson has recruited in the in the top ten and sometimes the top five. And, and as, you, as you just said, you know, he has gotten guys from this very state proving he can get guys from this very state. He has reached. While at Clemson. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm going on this. I believe this. I believe this is Dabo. Okay, I, I'm not going to uh, hate that. No, I, I wouldn't hate that. it either. I, so. I wouldn't hate it. He's a winner. You know, it, it might be different from what a lot, what Auburn fans like. I just, don't, like, I just but, don't believe that athletic director uh, just goes city over right to uh, Ole Miss and deal with uh, Lane Kiffin. Well, I hear we, you. We will see. We appreciate the phone uh, call, Tony. All right. Y'all have a good one. Thanks. Yes, you too. Sir, have a great too. weekend. That's Tony from Tuskegee joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our first break of our number two. A lot of coaching topics today, a lot of different coaches. We will break down some of those coaching candidates, break down our preferences, break down the scenarios here. Again, a lot of information. I guess, look, the countdown's on. Depending on who you ask, who the Egg Bowl that's next Thursday. That's that's Thanksgiving Day. We talked to some this time next week. The window could be open for Auburn to hire a new head coach. We will see. But we'll start talking about more of those candidates. Also, we have birthdays and sports to get to in a little bit as well. Don't want to miss all of that. This is the Friday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers. 
and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Continuing on with the Friday edition of Sports Call, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, filling in for J.J. Jackson today. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call. A lot of coaching topics to get into. There's a new coaching hot board that I think people are referencing a lot today. There's a lot of opinions out on who Auburn might be targeting. We will get back into that in just a moment. But first, we do this each and every day. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports brought to you by Max Credit Union. Warren Moon turns 66 today. Former NFL quarterback, played one year of college football at West Los Angeles College Powerhouse. Three years at Washington. Played first in the CFL out of college with the Edmonton Eskimos. Five-time Grey Cup champion. CFL Most Outstanding Player in 1983. Signed with the Houston Oilers of the NFL in 1984. Also played with the Vikings, Seahawks, and Chiefs. Nine-time Pro Bowler, NFL Offensive Player of the Year in 1990. Only member of both the Canadian Football Hall of Fame and Pro Football Hall of Fame. Warren Moon turned 66 today. Christian Kirk turns 26, NFL wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Played three years of college football at Texas A&M. SEC Freshman of the Year in 2015, two-time first-team All-SEC, drafted 47th overall in the second round of the 2018 NFL Draft by the Cardinals. Got a bag from the Jacksonville Jaguars did get a bag. this offseason. Christian Kirk turns 26 today. O.J. Howard turns 28, NFL tight end for the Houston Texans. Played four years of college football at Alabama. College football playoff national champion in 2015. Was the CFP National Championship Offensive MVP in 2015. Drafted 19th overall in the 2017 NFL Draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a one-time Super Bowl champion in 2021 with the Bucs. And again, currently with the Houston Texans, O.J. Howard turns 28 today. Uh, an extra birthday on the sheet. Happy birthday to Todd Bowles, the current head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who turns 59 today. Formerly a head football coach for the New York Jets before becoming the Bucks defensive coordinator under Bruce Arians, and now in his first year as the head coach, Todd Bowles turns 59. Jason Williams, we're only halfway done, folks. Jason Williams oh turns 46. Former NBA point guard, played one year of college basketball at Marshall and one year at Florida. Drafted 7th overall by the Sacramento Kings in 1998 draft. Also played with the Grizzlies. Heat and Magic was an NBA All-Rookie first-teamer in 1999. NBA champion with the Heat in 2006. Jason Williams, a.k.a. White Chocolate, turns 46. On to a couple great baseball birthdays. David Ortiz, Big Pappy, turns 47. Former MLB designated hitter and first baseman, signed with the Mariners as a 17-year-old in 1992, made his MLB debut with the Twins in 1997, also played most notably with the Boston Red Sox, 10-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, was a clutch hitter, World Series MVP in 2013, seven-time Silver Slug Award winner, three-time RBI leader, and home run leader in the American League. His number 34 is retired by the Red Sox and was the first ballot inductee in the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2022. Amazing what people do when they actually vote for people on their ballots. David Ortiz turns 47. 
Gary Sheffield turns 54. Batwaggle and all, former MLB outfielder and third baseman, drafted out of high school at sixth overall in the 1986 draft by the Brewers. He also uh, made his MLB debut with the Brewers in 1988, played with the Padres, Marlins, Dodgers, Braves, Yankees, Tigers, and Metropolitans. Nine-time All-Star, five-time Silver Slug Award winner, World Series champion, NL batting champion, has over 500 home runs and is not in the Hall of Fame for some reason. That is beyond me. Gary Sheffield turns 54. Can you tell, Cam, I absolutely hate Hall of Fame voters in Major League Baseball. Yeah, they're a frustrating bunch. (laughs) Yeah. And then one uh, last birthday today, Denny Hamlin turns 42, the NASCAR Cup Series driver. Began his NASCAR career in 2004 in the Craftsman Truck Series. He has won 48 times in the Cup Series, finished in the top 10 312 times in 596 races, has competed in every NASCAR Cup Series playoffs in which he has competed for the entire season. His best season result came in 2010 when he finished second behind Jimmy Johnson. Denny Hamlin, arguably one of the two, maybe even the best driver uh, to not having not have ever won a championship Denny Hamlin turns 42 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. A long list. Warren Moon, Christian Kirk, O.J. Howard, Todd Bowles, Jason Williams, David Ortiz, Gary Sheffield, Denny Hamlin. It was a great day to be a professional athlete if you were born on this day. We're going to go ahead and take our next time out of the show, and then again, as promised, we will go ahead and go back through some of these coaching candidates, the latest of what we've been reading and what we're thinking on the Auburn football coaching search As the season comes to a a close, the coaching search is going to come to a close. We'll continue to update you on that in just a moment. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back. Last segment of our number two of the program today. Ryan Boy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday evening. I'm not a time guy when it comes to afternoon or evening, more so as how much daylight we got. I 4.40 in I the summer. See, but uh, Well, that's exactly right, Cam, because there's not much sunlight out there. It's <laughs> oh, getting <man>. very dark. <laughs> and not... see, 4.40 in the summer is af- still afternoon to me. Nice 4.40 in the winter is evening to me. Yeah, that's Just fair. personal that's opinion. I, I, I agree, honestly. So let's get back to this coaching search. It's uh, on the top of everyone's minds, as it should be. Again, Ryan LaVoy, Canberry, filling in for J.J. Jackson today. We will talk some Auburn basketball in hour number three. But uh, this coaching search, you know, it's been dominating conversation today. We've had several phone calls on our Auburn Bank phone line. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, here's, here's what we've seen. And, and the, the latest 
you know, I, I tend to stick with Auburn beat reporters for sure um, on, on on this kind of thing. And the latest what we've seen today was a coaching hot board 4.0 via Nathan King um, and the fine staff over there. I, I, I you know, again, him, JG Tate. Uh, a lot of these guys have been um, obviously on top of this because, well, it's uh, it's why why you're in the business to try and get a scoop like this. So, basically, everything I've read—if you're just pulling everything from all these guys at Rivals two four seven, just just anywhere—the consensus is that that Lane Kiffin is the favorite, and yep. that's the guy that Cohen and company want now. That does not mean Kiffin becomes the head coach because Lane Kiffin's got to decide to become the head coach. But I feel very good in saying at this point, pulling all the information together, that Lane Kiffin has either been offered or will be offered the the coaching position at Auburn. That that I feel very good. That is my opinion. That is not a fact, but that is just pulling in, reading everything that these guys have written. That is what I feel is going to happen. Beyond that, I, and I think I don't even think we need to discuss Lane at this moment because we've discussed Lane a lot. I think what's worth discussing is the Who's next? revolving door of candidates that might be two through four, two through five on that next tier that does seem to change on almost a daily basis. And today's update includes what got <laughs> social media ablaze, and I think I don't think. I don't think social media is going to be any different in this case. It can be. I don't think it's going to be any difference in a more sentiment out in the world that would say mm-hmm. amongst Auburn people that uh, the news of James Franklin potentially being in the mix is not going to be overly appealing to most. Would it? How would you consider the candidacy of James Franklin, Cam? Yeah, uh, I, I would say, eh. You know, <laughs> yeah. the tone I, I, on that was great. Yes, yeah, I mean seriously though, just because Penn State, you know, I mean, he led them. He's, I mean, he's, he built them to an all right program. I think they've been pretty solid. Uh, not, you know, overall anything to really, you know, just fall in love with and say yes, he's the guy. Obviously, but. I I still think we could do better, and you know maybe it's like, well, I don't understand. You know, if you're looking from an outside perspective, you take who you can get, but at the same time, this is Auburn, and and this is a job that is pretty, I would say, pretty highly coveted, and almost I would say respected as well, um, just because of you know, where we stand amongst others and, and we do have an extremely tough schedule. And I feel like I, I just, I just, when I think James Franklin, I just, that's what I think. Ugh, yeah. I don't see how the ceiling, see, excuse me, the ceiling would be any different yeah. than Gus Malzahn. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I could maybe make an argument for it might be worse. It might be yeah. a little lower because at least Malzahn put Auburn in a national championship game in 13 and put Auburn one game away from put a playoff in, in 17. Yeah. Put you in, in better positions. And with Franklin, you go over the numbers and look, Penn State is a big program. Okay. Joe Paterno was there a very long time. I have no idea what Joe Paterno, or excuse me, what Penn State was like before Joe Paterno. And guess what? It doesn't really matter that much because he Matt. was there so damn long yep. and he changed the perception a lot. I mean, he had Penn State as a top 15, top 10 program, top 10 program, honestly, for a very long time, like Agreed. 30 years. So. 
I, it's fair for Penn State to, I think it's a pretty comparable to Auburn just in terms of its stature in their conference being very high but not the highest. Right. And having its time in the, in the limelight, I think that Penn State was more consistent because of Paterno, but I also think Auburn is still more revered because of the SEC. Agreed. So you know, I, I think it, if you're talking about top jobs in college football, it's in the same tier, clearly. I don't right. know which one ranks ahead of the other, and I'm not going to try and make people mad and figure it out. <sighs> Uh, but it's it's somewhere in the same rel- relative range. So when I think of those things, I think, well, there's no reason Penn State's not at least the third best program in that conference, okay, behind Ohio State and Michigan. Right. And what have they done? They've beaten Ohio State a time or two, but they've not won anything of substance. They right. they they went to, I think they won a conference championship. No, or did they? I don't know if I they see, won it I don't 16. know either. I don't they know. went... Because uh, they went to the Rose Bowl. I don't even know if they won a conference championship. Other than that, that's the only time they've tied for a division, which was in 16. And, and Franklin's been there in 14. I'm just going to read the numbers. 7-6, seven and 7-6, six, seven and 11-3. Six, and three. That's the tied for first in the East year. I think they beat Ohio State. I think they went that year. Lost the Rose Bowl ultimately. 11-2, and two, won the Fiesta Bowl. 9-4, and 11-2, won the Cotton Bowl. And then 2020, which messes everyone up record-wise, four and five, seven and six last year, eight and two this year, mm. 75 and 36 while at Penn State. I think another subcontext here, and not to make this segment completely just James Franklin. He, he did win the Big Ten Championship okay. in 2016 over Wisconsin. So he does have one, so yeah. that's nice. But uh, his only time, by the way, in the South at all was those three years at Vanderbilt. Um, I guess being a head coach at Vanderbilt is enough, but I'm telling you, I mean, I could, do you want to hear this? I mean, I don't even know what are the rock slide Kings. He was an OC there in 96. I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. 1997, James Madison, wide receiver coach, 1998, Washington state tight end coach, 1999, Idaho state wide receiver coach. Oh, 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 four. He was at Maryland as the run game coordinator. Oh, five green Bay Packers. 06, 07, OC at Kansas State. 08 to 10, the assistant head coach and OC at Maryland. So he went back. And then 11, 13, he was at Vandy. 14 to present, Penn State. He's not a Southern guy. Nah. No, he's Three not. Three years at Vanderbilt does not make him a Southern guy. No, no not at all. Um, not, not at all. So I did want to hit on him because that that's probably the most relevant nationally name to be added here. Yeah. You still got your Hugh Freezes. You've still got you know some people that like Dion. Although I also want to say that on the uh, coaching hot board day, he was not on it anymore. Yeah, um, I think that's a situation where Dion might be more interested in Auburn than than the, the reverse of that. But again, you get two or three names down the list, and then more things will open up. But I just think he's not in the running for the, the being the top couple guys. Um, you've also you had that Dan Lanning smoke for a little while. That's dead. Um, that's gone. You have Matt Rule that's back on a hot board, Please but again no. we're we're talking again, yeah, uh, we're talking way down the list. And then Clawson is kind of a newer name. Dave Clawson, Wake Forest discussed a little bit earlier. That would be interesting. I'm not high on that personally. I, I mean, I'm not exactly high on it, but that's but we're talking about you know we're talking about four or five names right. down the list at this point. Um, and that's you know if if we whiff on 
we whiff and we're down to our fifth option, that's uh take it down. Yeah, I don't care. That's a, that's a problem. That's a that's, problem. That's fair because you know his his time at Wake Forest. He's obviously these last couple of years hit on something, but I I will say he's been at Wake Forest since 2014. He had never had better than an eight win season until last year. Yeah, uh, and that was that's their best team ever. I like, mean, yeah, record wise and. To be honest, with the same quarterback back with Sam Hartman this year to be six and four, yeah, they haven't been good. I was just, I mean, I, I get it. I, trust me, I get it because I, I do follow the ACC closely. Wake Forest is not uh, anything uh, really in, in the ACC. Nope. But I get fifty-seven and fifty-two overall at Wake Forest. Ain't Again, bad. you're talking about way down the list. Yeah, no, I'm it's... talking way down the list. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah. So. Again, I, I think that the you know the Dabo element is interesting. That was brought up by Tony. I mean, I know we're down a minute or two left in the hour. You seem more hesitant than I on Dabo. Why? I mean, I'm not necessarily against it. Um, he's a winner. Um, you know, I, I think the personality thing, like you mentioned, would be something that might necessarily could rub Auburn fans the wrong way. Um, but... He wins games and he can recruit like crazy, um, and that's been proven. And he, I mean, he's got he got two. He brought a program that was not relevant at all in the in terms of college football, and he got two national championships out of it, um, and got number one rankings. Uh, I mean, and still even now, Clemson, the ACC is weak, and we know that for a fact. But they are the perennial top dog of the ACC. Um, you know, maybe you say that doesn't mean anything, but they can they still compete with the best. They were they have beat Bama uh multiple times, so I I don't see why you can't necessarily hold that against him because when it comes to him and his teams facing, you know, SEC talent, he wins. Right. So I I take it for what you will. I I have no issue with with Dabo Sweeney, honestly, um, you know, just necessarily the more that I think about it, um, I just think know, his maybe personality, his attitude, yeah, his personality, people. maybe his attitude. You could knock it against him, but I mean, he wins games, and when you get to that point, you, I mean, it is what it is, right? I think he's my number. If if it's legit, and we don't even know how right. strong that interest there. If he's a viable candidate, I think he's got to be, and some would argue even above Lane, but he's got to be second. He's right. got. I would still prefer Lane. I think you'd still prefer Lane. I think he'd be second for me. Uh, the fascinating thing about his career arc as we go to this end of our break, he's only been two places. Yep. He was at Alabama from 93 all the way to 2000, and he was at Clemson in 03 to the time he became head coach in 09 and he's been head coach ever since. A very different from most people who right. have been at seven, eight different places. Out of time for hour number two, we can pick this conversation back up in hour number three. We'll also talk Auburn basketball. They got Texas Southern night. We'll preview that game and more next. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call here on this Friday evening. Ryan LaVoy filling in for J.J. Jackson. I've got Cam Berry with me here on this Friday. We've had a fun Friday so far. A lot of phone calls on our Auburn Bank phone line. And we've uh, we've had a lot of great discussions, primarily about Auburn, Western Kentucky, and the head coaching search at Auburn University. And if you yeah. missed any of that, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Of course, you can get the Sports Call podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. If you're like our friend Jason, who listens to us on Spotify, and then also you got TuneIn and the Tiger Communications app and the Tiger.fm. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here today, and uh, we're going to get into a little Auburn basketball now. Auburn's set to take on Texas Southern inside of Neville Arena tonight. Auburn favored heavily in this one, as they should be, coming off the heels of an 89-65 win over Winthrop. The first time Auburn shot the ball well this season, Cam. And so assess Auburn's play throughout the first three games, then what do you expect tonight? Um, obviously, this team is locked down defensively, uh, just like it was last year. Uh, defense has translated over into this year, and that's definitely something that's going to be needed down the road. Uh, the scoring was a concern, especially in that second game against South Florida, but, you know, pulled it, pulled out a win uh, and, you know, and then got hot against uh, Winthrop and, and was able to shoot really well. Uh, free throws, man, that's just just game to game is it, just to improve upon free throw shooting. That is something that I literally cannot stress enough is free throw shooting um because that'll just that'll just help you balloon your lead and help you with a cushion so much more than you can just really even realize because those are i mean they're free points um you know had a conversation with with steve yesterday or wednesday excuse me just talking about you know bigs and free throws and and how that's you know something that's tough and makes a difference uh just because bigs just are not they don't really have that jump shot that they developed. It's just not something, you know, in this day and age, it's more common, but we have two traditional bigs, I would say. Um, and they're, they play back to the basket and don't really have that much of a ju- jump shot. Janai kind of does. Dylan does not. He plays very close to the basket, a lot of dunks, a lot of putbacks. Um, and so their free throw shooting isn't always going to be great. Uh, I think Johan has the potential to be a solid free throw shooter, honestly, because he can shoot. 
Um, I think, you know, he's just kind of going through that freshman struggle, that adjustment period that that I feel like everybody kind of has to go through. I mean, even Jabari went through it. Um, maybe not – he went through it faster than most, you know. Um, but even in his first game, he's always been a good free throw shooter. But even in his first game, he didn't shoot, you know, significantly well. So it's just going to take a while to get adjusted to that game speed. Uh, Texas Southern, they're 1-4, and 0-3 oh away. They're not – you know, that great of a basketball team. They average 62 points per game, give up 79. Uh, we, we give up 58 and score 70, average 75 points a game. Um, if we can get that, that field goal percentage up, we'll be able to, we're bigger than them. We'll be able to, to out rebound them. Um, Wendell should be able to control the floor and, and this team is averaging 9.3 blocks per game, which is just astounding. Uh, and 10.7 steals. So it, it will we'll create turnovers and just have to capitalize on it. And like I said, just free throws, man. Yeah, you know, when you starting with the block shots, when you lose someone like Walker Kessler, you, you get a little bit skittish about how you might regress in that right. area. But two things. One, Jani Broom was second last year to Walker Kessler. The literal re- perfect uh, replacement. And so he's at Auburn, you might have heard. And then Dylan Cardwell uh, has improved improved a lot uh, as a shot blocker. He's had multiple shot blocks, I think, in all three games. And so, as you said, I mean, nine blocks a game, that is a lot of blocks. And and so that's aiding this Auburn defense who uh, has played really well to start the year. Auburn rebounding the ball pretty well to to start the year as well as Janai Broom has been a big player in that. Auburn does have some really long bodies at that three and four position. When you think about Yoan Treor, you think about Jalen Williams. Uh, of course, we talked about Cardwell at the five. Even Alan Flanagan's got a pretty big wingspan. And yeah, so, does. You, you know, th- this team is well-equipped to rebound and to defend, and they're doing it very, very well. So, you know, I, I think as this team goes forward, it's about offensive execution. It's about yep. shooting. You know, and as you mentioned – and, you know, here are the, the, the numbers through three games, and this is even with a, a Windsor performance, at least from the field and from three, that was much better than the first two games. But even still through three games, the team shooting just 40% from the floor, 40.3 to be exact, 61.7% from the foul line. Got to get uh, that up. Which is not just got, good. Just got to get to at least 75. Oh, uh, I don't know if they'll get 75. Yeah. 70. I'll take 70. 70. Yeah, I'll take 70. might be a more realistic goal. And then 24.7% from three thus far. Uh, Alan Flanagan is two out of five. And Wendell Green Jr. is six. Or I said uh, two out of five. Flanagan is four out of ten. And Wendell Green is six out of 15. Those two guys shooting 40% from three. Chris Moore is one of two. Everyone else is 25% or lower. Some guys have shot threes and not made them yet, such as Jalen Williams. Um this team is struggling from that perspective. And to be quite honest with you, that's something that I'm just always going to be harped on. I'm just, I'm going to just apologize in advance until the season's over. I'm just going to be probably staring at at the percentages maybe too much because, you know, I I think it's good and bad. I want to say it's good and bad because it's good because that means I'm not worried about some of the other elements of the team. I'm Mm -hmm. not worried about, shot blocking I'm not worried about defense um you know rebounding maybe gets Chibway of Kentucky I'll worry about it but against most teams I'm not going to worry about it but it's going to be that that shooting number and also just because the bad of it is again I've said before if you know Bruce Pearl you know that he gives his guys a lot of free reign to shoot 
Uh, it stills a lot of confidence in them to shoot, but that does mean they're going to shoot threes whether they're making them or not. And so, you know, that part of the team is always something you look at because, I mean, let's be honest, the game continues to become more perimeter-oriented. Yeah, live uh, by the three, die by the three. And, and you know, Auburn de- definitely shoots a lot of threes. Auburn's most magical run in their entire program history is because Bryce Brown and Jared Harper and Chumo Kiki was just making ungodly amounts of threes. I mean, you know, that that's just that's just what it is. And so that's always going to be in the back of my mind. And, and Auburn come out and, and make 10 out of 20 tonight from three. And I'm still going to say, well, let's see Auburn do it, you know, against Arkansas, yeah. against Kentucky or Tennessee or whoever, uh, LSU, just these teams that will be uh, competent in SEC play. But, you know, I think it's a really good starting point for this team. And I do think these guys, you know, I think some guys are going to have trouble making threes consistently regardless. I, I think – Someone like Jalen Williams is just probably never going to find a big stroke. But there's still guys uh, like Katie Johnson. They're capable of way more than they've had so far. Zepp Jasper Agreed. capable of more Definitely. than they are now. And I'm still – I know it's three games. It's still a pretty small sample size. So I, I'm still hopeful that someone like Trey Donaldson could make the three or even Yoan Treor. He's two of nine to start the year. I don't know. That's just something I'm going to go ahead again. Apologize in advance. I'm probably going to care too much about those things this year. Uh, but it is going to be worth monitoring. As far as tonight, they're not going to have to hit threes tonight to beat Texas Southern. And to be quite frank, I think, Cam, they could probably beat them by 20, shoot 20% from yeah. three. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dominate them in the paint. No disrespect to Texas Southern. Again, they do have a weirdly nice victory over Arizona State, and college basketball can do that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know – do, that 24 and a half line do you like the over or the under on that uh i, I like the over I, I definitely i can see the over happening i like i like you said you know we won't necessarily have to shoot out of lights out to win this game i think we'll dominate the paint i think we'll dominate in rebounds block shots will be a consistent thing that you know will show up again um and yeah, it's just something that we're going to look – obviously, game to game, you don't want to look too far down the line. But into SEC play, it's going to be interesting to see what players can step up and really make the three ball because it's – I mean, just even for Tennessee, it, it, just facing them, it, it, you're going to have to make threes. You have to make threes um, because they they can shoot. <laughs> they can shoot very well. Um, as as can the other top three teams in the SEC that we're we're kind of looking at in, in Kentucky and um, and uh, Arkansas and I mean even Alabama can can shoot pretty well also uh, from the three mm-hmm. so it's just you got to be able to make that three ball I'm very curious to see who's going to be able to step up because last year you know when we when Auburn was struggling um, to make the three you could give it to Jabari and he'd drain one for you. He'd give you that confidence. He'd instill that confidence, and so we don't have that this year. Auburn doesn't have that this year, and you're you're gonna have to see who's gonna be that catalyst that can maybe get that going for you. So I, I'm just curious to see who ends up stepping up. I think it could be Wendell. Um, he's he's been he was solid uh, shooting from three uh, against against Winthrop, four for six from three. So that's a good start. That's that's kind of he's starting to kind of figure it out. Um, takes smarter shots. He was efficient, uh, and and Zepp also, you know, two for four. So he shot fifty percent uh, from three. I'll take that. 
two for four. Uh, just I think with Zepp, it's just about shooting more for him. He he just last year didn't take a lot of shots, and his role is different this year. Uh, you know, he's not running the point, so he he's going to be that two guard spot. I think he'll have to shoot more than he did last year, and I think he I think he'll be capable of making shots. Auburn and Texas Southern tonight, seven o'clock inside of Neville Arena. 6.30 is airtime over on FM Talk 93.9, the Auburn Sports Network. Andy Bertram, Sonny Smith, Brad Law have the coverage of that one. I did want to make one note in college basketball uh, regarding the SEC that just speaks to kind of the absurdity of the sport at times and just uh, huh. how random things can be and just, just I don't know why every game you just got to pay attention to and play it out. Colorado. Oh, my gosh. The Buffs. Lost to Grambling. Yep, Grambling State. Of the SWAC, 83-74 last Friday. Two days later, they went and they played number 11 Tennessee. And they beat them, 78-66. But wait, there's more. Colorado then, in the Myrtle Beach Invitational yesterday, lost to UMass. 66-63. 66-63. That's Frank Martin's new team, former South Carolina and Kansas State head coach. So then Colorado clearly down in the dumps, <laughs> summoned the Denver Nuggets, and defeated Texas A&M. Yeah, um, Wait for it. 103-75 yeah, today. they beat the brakes off of them. So Colorado with losses to Grambling and UMass and wins against Tennessee and Texas A&M. I do not comprehend, and I don't pretend to. College basketball. (laughs) With that, we will go to our first break of our number three. On the other side, we'll go back to college football. Again, more with Auburn and Western Kentucky Senior Day on the Plains tomorrow. And also we'll look at some of the other matchups involving SEC teams and college football at large. You're listening to the Friday edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It's Sports Call. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Friday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LeBoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday evening as we're counting down till tip-off, again, an hour and a half or so until Auburn and Texas Southern. Full weekend, Auburn women's basketball on Sunday, and then Auburn football tomorrow, 3 o'clock inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium against Western Kentucky. We'll have a little bit more on that game in just a moment, but do want to look at a few other games inside of the world of college football. The SEC, by and large part, does not have a lot going on. They prepare for a bunch of rivalry games 
in the final week of the year. Uh, the uh, I'll just run through some of the, the SEC games. Alabama gets to play Austin P. Um, I don't think Austin P will have enough in that one. Mississippi <laughs> State plays East Tennessee State. Uh, yep. Uh, Pirate versus Buccaneers, though. The Pirate, Mike Leach versus the Bucks. East Tennessee State, yep. Uh, that's not going to go well for East Tennessee State. Texas A&M plays UMass. The line on this is, I mean, this is just a disrespectful to UMass. UMass, <laughs> UMass is 1-9. They're awful, but... The, the line is 32-and-a-half for Texas A&M. My I don't goodness. know if A&M can yeah, score that many points in a game. And the over-under is only 46-and-a-half. So was that like uh, 39-7, 40-7, something like that? I don't know. It's what, Interesting. It's 40-what-and-a-half? 46-and-a-half. 40-7, yeah. You could have 40-7. Again, I don't know if A&M could have – I just – I don't know. I don't know if they have that in them either. Yeah. Uh, Missouri plays New Mexico State. Yay. Uh, LSU hosts UAB. I will not slander the Blazers, uh, although they've had a disappointing <laughs> will year. Refrain. It's only LS. The line is only LSU minus fifteen. Yeah, UAB. Fun fact: uh, Dwayne McBride, their running back, is second in the country in rushing. He's ah, run for fourteen hundred yards and seventeen touchdowns this year. However, boy, they've lost several close games because he's got like seven fumbles this year or something like that. And <clears> also, the interim coach Bryant Vincent decidedly not Bill Clark. Uh, and uh, UAB's lost. I think every single game UAB's lost has been one possession this year. I, I'll have to double check that, but it's, it's been a bunch of heartbreak for UAB this year. So they are five and five. You're right. The line at 15 does seem small, but LSU might be a little party happy after locking up the West last week. So maybe yeah. that's the thinking. We'll see. Uh, and then the SEC versus SEC matchups. Um, Florida goes to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has won a conference game. Shout out to. The second-rated quarterback prospect in the draft. Inexplicably, I'm now very cold on Will Levis uh, and Kentucky. Speaking of Kentucky, they host number one, Georgia. Uh, that game is the CBS game. However, Kentucky no longer ranked, obviously. That'll be fine. And uh, I don't know if that will be nearly as close as hoped earlier in the year. And then the the other two, Tennessee goes to South Carolina. Tennessee going to try and keep running up the score on some folks. Uh, as they try and impress the committee, of course, ranked number five in the country. And number 14, Ole Miss. Uh, Lane Kiffin takes his team to Arkansas. Arkansas, disappointing season this year. They've had just about everything go wrong for them. They are 5-5, five and five, so they need another win, uh, either this week against Ole Miss or next week against LSU, to find a way into a bowl game after all that. But Ole Miss only favored by two as they go to Fayetteville. So I don't know of, of all those games, Cam. Of all that, of all that slop, uh, what interests you out of that group? Ole Miss and Arkansas. That one interests me. Um, it'll be in Fayetteville. You just never know, you know. Um, I, I still see Ole Miss winning, but could be a lot closer than we think. You know, the uh, the I mean. The LSU and Arkansas game, that wasn't necessarily a blowout. No, it was 13-10. Right? Yeah, yeah, you I know, think. it was close. Um, Something like that. For, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. It was close for, for a lot of it. So Arkansas still has some fight in them, um, and that's kind of what I chalked that up to. And so from that point forward, I mean, we can ju- we'll can we just have to see. But that one kind of brings the most interest. I think UGA is going to beat the brakes off of Kentucky. I think Tennessee is going to – demolish South Carolina um, and it's, I I mean 
Florida should beat Vanderbilt, right? Florida should beat should. Vanderbilt. Yep. So and the line's pretty hefty yeah, too. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's Florida minus fourteen. The over yeah. under is fifty seven and fifty seven and a half. So two touchdown win. I could see that. I could probably see three touchdowns, honestly. Um, a twenty one point win against against a not very strong Vanderbilt team. So Richardson should be able just to make yeah. enough plays yeah, in that yeah. game. He should should be able to just, you know, do his little superstar thing because that's what I kind of see him ending up being if he can just if he stays one more year. I think he could be really, really, really good. I'll I'll go contrarian. Uh, my real answer is Ole Miss, Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> but I'll go contrarian, and I'll say Tennessee and South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina got floored last week by Florida. Uh, I was a little surprised by that. I was, wasn't surprised Florida won. I did not think they'd win by 30 points. Um, so Tennessee, or excuse me, South Carolina, 6-4. and four. Their last two games were Tennessee and Clemson, shades of orange that they do not like and that are much better than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, I, I why I'm interested in this is I just want to see if Tennessee can continue to be focused and really dominate, dominate, yeah. run up the score, show how great their offense is, give the case for a commit for the committee because again they're playing against the they, Tennessee got some help last week. Oregon losing was helpful for sure. They are a U and UCLA loss last week. They are a USC loss, for whether really? it be this week or in the Pac-12 championship game. In my opinion, their way in. of being in the playoff, yeah, yeah. because yeah. I think if they keep running this up like this, I still think they're going to get credit over the Michigan Ohio State loser. That that would be the team they would oh, have yeah. to have to beat out. Yeah, and I still think because of their quality wins, because their loss would be to the to the number one team in the country, they're going to be they are going to have a win on the road against the team that's going to be in the SEC title game against the number one team in the country. Right. As long as LSU doesn't win. win as long as LSU doesn't beat Georgia and upset the apple cart, I, I think Tennessee is going to be, be going to be in if they just get one more loss from USC. But I want to see Tennessee still throttle these teams because they are competing right. against the Michigan-Ohio State right. losers. They don't want to back their way into these last two wins. Definitely. And then have the – let's. I, I think Ohio State's better than Michigan, so let's say Ohio State only beat Michigan 27-24. Yeah, I was going to say if it's a close right. game, then you really have a case for Michigan right. or, yeah, per se, right, um, that they can they can be that four spot. Uh, or, yeah, that four spot. So, again, that's why that interests me because that's, that's still playoff implications – if Tennessee were to only win by a field goal, have something weird happen, you know that would greatly damage them. This one is, I think, much more um, in play to being a, at least a respectable game than their last game because they play Vanderbilt. So this is the last bowl team they're going to play. You know, and again, not saying that this is great. Oh yeah, they prove they're in the playoff. They beat South Carolina. <laughs> no, not what I'm saying, but you know, I don't think running the score up on Vanderbilt would hold as much no. weight as running up the score. At South Carolina. For sure. So, oh, I'm going to say there. The, the premier games of the week, speaking of USC, are both out west in the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions. Mm-hmm. Number 7 USC at number 16 UCLA. That's 7 o'clock on Fox. And number 10 Utah at number 12 Oregon. That one is in uh, in Eugene. Um <laughs> Wow, that Oregon-Washington game last week. Uh, that yeah. one was an unbelievable Michael Penix game. What is defense? Uh, I don't know. Never heard of her. Um, defense? So, you know, Bo Nix in that game played well. He goes out for a drive, 
yeah. which was very important very because he was injured and mm-hmm. uh, could not return yet. And they went for it on that fourth and one at their own 34, didn't get it. The slip. And then the field goal, uh, and that they and they didn't have time really to get down there. They 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 got down there, mm-hmm. but they didn't they didn't score. Uh, I guess they got the midfield something like that. Yeah. But, uh, they they lose at home in that game to Washington, and uh, now they've got Utah, and this is such a pivotal game um, for for what happens in the Pac-12 and who is going to play who. I mean these these four teams, and, and now you got to factor in Washington, I guess, because UCLA is five and two, Washington's five and two, but again USC is seven and one. Their losses to Utah, mm-hmm. Oregon is six and one. Their losses losses to Washington. And then Utah is six and one. People can't forget they've beaten USC. Their loss is to UCLA. Yeah. So there's a very simple scenario here, and that would be for USC to beat UCLA, and then literally either of the other two things to happen. Right? It's college football. How often does the simple thing happen? Not often, I say. No. So if UCLA wins. I don't know what happens, Cam, because then here's what happens to UCLA wins. It doesn't matter what uh, happens in Oregon, Utah. No. It's really about UCLA and USC, even though I started this off by talking about Oregon. Because if UCLA wins, the loser of Utah, Oregon, I'm just going to say Utah loses. Oregon's at home. I, I don't even know if that's my pick. Let's just let pick a scenario. Right. So Utah loses. Under the scenario, USC loses to UCLA. USC, Utah, UCLA, and Washington all have two losses, and I have no idea what how that breaks in tie because, again, U, USC will have lost to UCLA and Utah in that scenario. Right. But Utah will have lost to UCLA. Uh, UCLA, have they played Washington? Has They've UC- beaten Washington. They beat Washington. I have a scenario. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, UCLA yeah. would be in. I think. Into the playoff? No, no. Oh, just into the into Pac-12. The Pac-12 no, not in the playoff. I was going to say oh, that man. would effectively... 12 I, team, maybe. Yeah, I, I think I was going to say that would effectively make keep that would kick the Pac-12 out of the playoff so conversation. I guess the more confusing thing would be if Oregon lost to Utah because then two-loss team would be Oregon and then Oregon did beat UCLA and then I'm confused. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so let me amend that, Okay. Redacted, okay? Redacted. Um, UCLA uh, really wants Utah to lose. Uh, right. Or, uh, to or- no, I'm sorry. You, they really want... Oregon to lose. Right? No? Yeah, I'm, right? Oh, we're confusing ourselves. I need to get to the weekend. I've got 10 <laughs> minutes. Uh, you know what? <laughs> the winner of that game has one loss. Yeah, right. That's what right, we have to remember. Right. It does not matter, okay? So anyway... They will be much better off. No, they are much better off if if Utah wins. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. Because you're right. You're right. no, they're better if Oregon wins. Because Utah, they have the tiebreaker over Utah. They beat them. They beat them. They beat USC. They beat they beat everybody. They don't want Oregon to lose because then Utah is in over them no matter right, what. Right, right, right. And then they don't have a tiebreaker over Oregon. But then they're all in two losses, and I don't know how. That yeah, spits I, out in that situation. I do know it. how it spits off if UCLA uh, has uh, is in a tiebreaker with Utah. There we go. I would okay. flip a coin. It took five minutes. I'm so we figured sorry it out. Everyone that listened to it's that. It's Friday. Sorry. But 
the moral of all that story is the Pac-12 has four good teams, and they're all, or maybe even five. If you want to call Washington pretty good? Rank seventeen, and they've got one hope. They've yeah. got one hope, yeah. and it's USC. USC cannot lose to UCLA, or they're out. They've got a bunch of two loss teams that are, you know, good, good. not great. Yeah, good, not and, great. And and they'd be in a lot of discussions for a twelve team playoff. You'd yeah. be talking two to three to even four teams potentially in it, but not under no. a fourteen playoff. Yeah. So our scenarios are much simpler with what's happened the last couple of weeks, but not if you just listen to me ramble for the last five <laughs> minutes. But, yeah, that's what I said uh, uh, on Wednesday when we were kind of talking about this. Brant, Drew, and I were kind of just spitballing scenarios, right? Um, and I said if there was ever a year – because, you know, some people like the 12. They think it, Some people like the 12. They think it's perfect. Some people think 12 is too much. You know, everybody has their own opinions. Some people like the four in the way that it is now. Uh, but I said if there was ever a case for there to be a 12-team playoff, this is the year just because there's just so many different teams that have there's so many just the losses are to each other in that top you know top range right there uh and and so there's a lot of cases to be made that any of these teams you know maybe maybe not if they get some luck however that works out could could fight for a national championship um and yeah, so I, I was just thinking, and, and you're right. I mean, the, the Pac-12 could get four or five teams in if if, if it was twelve. Yeah, if yeah. it was twelve, um, which we talk about how you know it'll be one day. Yeah, it'll be soon. Right, and you know we kind of talk about how this was something that could have happened for the SEC, but really, you know, and the SEC would. I mean, to be fair, I mean. Ultimately, you'd probably go with four SEC teams, mm-hmm. three Pac-12 teams, two Big Ten teams, and then the conference champion for the, Every, the next right. three highest, which would be ACC, Big 12, and uh, AAC, Right, uh, would be the 12th team because you'd still have Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, Alabama are all well within that right. top 12. definitely. And then, so you'd have the top three of the Pac-12 guys. But again, I mean, that's not something that the, the moral of the story is. That's not something that's been conversed about the last few years. Nope. Pac-12 has not been in a position to say they've had three or four of the top twelve to fifteen teams. Period. Right. And they do this year. That last scenario, though, I want to bring up before we finish off with Auburn, Western Kentucky, is the the most convoluted scenario remaining in the playoff, and really probably the only confusing one left is if LSU were to somehow beat Georgia. Because let's assume everybody's winning, okay? Let's let's assume TCU wins out. They're undefeated. Right. Assume Ohio – I'm just – again, I'm going to take Ohio State over Michigan, so Ohio State wins the Big Ten as undefeated. Right. But then say LSU beats Georgia, what do you do? How do you do that? <sighs> LSU will have beaten Georgia head-to-head in the final game of the year. Right. But LSU has two losses. Georgia has one. And then Tennessee lost in Athens decisively to Georgia. However, decisively went to Baton Rouge, albeit a little earlier in the year, and decisively beat LSU. How do you do that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I I don't think LSU will beat Georgia. Again, Mm -hmm. want to be clear on that. I think LSU might want to get revenge for 2019 still. I mean, yeah. I mean, why not? Well, Well, what do you mean? SEC championship. I'm pretty sure they faced LSU and Georgia. Faced they did, but yeah. LSU won. 
they Georgia wants to get. Excuse me, I, uh, Georgia okay, wants yeah. to get revenge. Gotcha, excuse gotcha. me. Um, for for 2019, I, I see that on my Twitter feed. They're like, "Gosh, I want to. We're like, we want face LSU <laughs> so bad, so that we can uh, get our revenge." It's like, well, all right, it might happen, but it, it that, that's clearly the scenario where you're going to have to have an opinion on if it does happen. And I don't know if there's going to be gotta a right You got to put. You have to put LSU in, right? Because they're the, they're the SEC champion. And that is the hardest conference in the nation. And they will have won and it. And they will have won it. So you, you have to reward them for that. Two losses or not. I, I mean, just throughout the te- the season, you know, it's a different team at that point, right? If they win against Georgia, who is decidedly the best team in the nation, they should be rewarded by getting into the playoff. I, I believe that. So then you're going to have Georgia over Tennessee since they, they played them? Yeah. I would have Georgia. Yeah, so Tennessee would be odd man out. Yeah, Tennessee would be odd man out. Yeah, that, okay. That's, that's tough. But and then Tennessee says, "Well, we 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 murdered LSU. They it were sucks. dead." But you didn't play in the conference championship, so you because we had the tougher team in our division. LSU LSU had Alabama, and Alabama was not as good as they were the last few years. It's tough. Tough luck. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of how it has to be, right? Tough luck. It's, it's only four can get in. So, and that's why we're going to 12. That's why we're going to 12 right there, right <laughs> All there. All right, so uh, Auburn, Western Kentucky again. Pivot one last time before we take our final break of the show. Senior day inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Again, we've talked a lot about this game already. Uh, one more nugget, though, wanted to pass along, uh, and this could be contributing to that line that we've, we've talked a lot, a lot about over the, uh, the last couple of days. You know, Auburn had that thing where the first six or seven games of the year was just awful turnover-wise. And it, it never got a whole lot better. They still had multiple turnovers against Texas A&M. Auburn is 121st in the FBS with forcing 10 turnovers this year. 121st. Hmm. Western Kentucky is first. They oh. have forced 30 turnovers this year. They have a propensity for doing this. Fumbles, and I actually witnessed this. talking about UAB. I watched that UAB-Western mm-hmm. Kentucky game. UAB fumbled three times in that game. Goodness. Um, and th- I think through a pick, too, but at least three fumbles. So 30 turnovers forced by Ken- Western Kentucky and 10 by Auburn. So turnover margin three would one. be as Auburn and Mercer plays through the back of my mind oh my <laughs> from, from about five years ago. Uh, that would be the path for Western Kentucky. But still, Auburn's still the better team, right. I reluctantly say. And they are at home. I reluctantly say. So – Final predictions from you, Cam, with what happens. And also for these seniors, again, uh, some guys that maybe aren't seniors like Tank Bigsby, some of these guys playing their final game inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yeah, um, going to be tough to see some of these guys go. Uh, Tank especially, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely miss him because he is a very, very special talent. Um, and, and I, you know, wish him great luck, great success. We want to see him have great success in the next level. Um, and hopefully that works out for him. Uh, final prediction with this game, Western Kentucky. Gosh, you just told me that turnover ratio, and I'm just like, oh, no food, no. too much food for thought. <laughs> oh no! Um, but I'm I'm still gonna go Auburn. Uh, I do think it will be a close game, and I, I, I think I think Auburn can score 27 points. Um. I think we'll we'll dominate in the run game, and I think they will dominate in the pass game. 
Um, but I think ultimately we'll be able to get that one stop on defense. I think we'll be able to get to Austin Reed. Um, I think Derek Hall will have a really good game. And I, I, I think Kobe Wooden as well, honestly. I think both of our, both of those guys will have uh, really, really good games. So I'm going to go 27. Yeah, I'm going to go 27-24. Okay, you will go, you'll go close. You'll yeah. go Western Kentucky yeah. to cover. Yeah, I'll, I'll go 27-24. What's hilarious about this as we go to our final break of the hour is, again, and I'm not salty. It's going to sound like I'm salty. Steve and I did have a tussle about this on air yesterday and about how I was defending the line being five and a half. And yet I'm the one going over right now. Wow. (laughs) I'm going over. Not by a lot. I'm going Auburn 31, Western Kentucky 21. Um, You know, and and look, there's different paths to that. Auburn could be up 31 to seven in the fourth quarter and then whoops, you know, got a little uncomfy. Or it could be 24-21 with six minutes left. Auburn Auburn needs that drive. Right. (laughs) They need that drive. So uh, it will be entertaining, though. Final home game of the year for the Auburn Tigers. Again, 3 o'clock inside of Jordan-Harris Stadium. Last commercial break of the show. We'll be back to wrap up another week of Sports Call after this timeout. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Final minute or two of the show today on this Friday. We've had a uh, lot of fun today. Uh, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry with you here. Uh, again, a lot going on this weekend as we look at Auburn basketball tonight, Auburn football on Saturday, and Auburn women's basketball on Sunday, all at home. So a great weekend to go out uh, to one of these great Auburn athletics events. Also, HSAA Radio Network Scoreboard Show concludes tonight at 10 o'clock on FM Talk 93.9. And so, again, uh, last week before the Super 7, I guess, of high school football, the Final Four going on tonight. So all that to look forward to as well. But as we do each and every show, this is how we'll finish it. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide is brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by your local TK's convenience store and pick up a White Claw variety pack today. College football South Florida at Tulsa, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. South Florida's terrible. Just a heads up on that one. Milwaukee Bucks and Philadelphia 76ers, 6.30 on ESPN. At 9 o'clock, the New York Knicks visit the Golden State Warriors. Men's College Basketball in Las Vegas. Number 16, Virginia. Number 5, Baylor. 7 o'clock on the SEC Network, Jacksonville State goes to Tuscaloosa to face the Crimson Tide of Alabama. And, of course, as you know, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus, it is Auburn hosting Texas Southern. And that is a quick nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Cam, I enjoyed it today. I appreciate you being here, and I hope you have a great weekend in Atlanta. Yes, sir. You have a great weekend as well. Thank you, man. And, uh, of course, we appreciate all those who tuned in and called in throughout the week and on today's show. Again, we thank the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department for what they do, and we were excited to be out there yesterday for their chili dinner uh, and heard it went well. And, Tom P, you'll have more on that next week. 
For Cam Berry, my name is Ryan Lavoy. We again thank all those who tuned in and called in today. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Auburn Athletics, and we'll talk to you on Monday.